down onto Revelation chapter 6. That is where our conversation had narrowed to and focused on. And in Revelation chapter 6, we were looking at the sequential breaking of the seals of the scroll of God. That is where we began from last week. And I said last week that uh, considering what is happening upon the face of the earth at this hour, it is important that this message comes out to the nations, to the peoples of the world, that they may be able now to understand what exactly is happening uh, globally, why it's taking place, and the message it is transmitting to the nations of the earth. That is where we were last week. And I know there's poop, 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 poop. There's something going on here. I think they're adjusting. But uh, that will be ironed out when Michael comes. But last week we saw, there's a lot of poop, 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 like that. We saw last week very clearly that uh, the Lord Almighty is running the prophetic timeline of God in heaven. And as the Lord runs the prophetic timeline in heaven, there are consequences, there is effect, there are actions, operations, effects that would take place on the earth. That's where we were last week. And we saw that uh, the Lord Almighty is running his prophetic calendar in heaven and the consequence is realizing upon the face of the earth and the effect is upon the nations, mankind and that is why we are now at this place where there is a global shaking the entire earth is being shaken by the Lord but most importantly, even so, is the message it transmits. I'm simply trying to touch base on what we did last week. And I know that tonight, today we are going to move on for a long time and we'll try to go all the way up to about maybe 8 p.m. or so, so that we can cover more ground. Are they sitting there or I move on? Because I'm waiting for everybody to sit and then I can be able to start. Can somebody do that for me? Handle that for me with Michael? And so, I want you to understand that there is an accelerated distress upon the face of the earth. Accelerated and aggravated now. And I'm going to explain why and what the message is. But uh, it was absolutely clear to all that at one point the Lord would rise up and begin to seek the attention of men. At one point. In this whole journey, the Lord would one day 
rise up and seek the attention of human beings so that he may be able to prepare them for the glorious eternal kingdom of heaven. In the past, as we begin this message, in this introduction, I want to say that in the past, there was complacency on the part of the church, but also beyond that, just outright ignoring of the Lord, even as the Lord spoke, the nations tried to ignore. And then we knew that at one point, the Lord Almighty would rise up and ensure that He is heard. And now I can see that the earth is coming to that place where now the Creator would be worshipped by the lesser. We are coming to a place where it will not matter whether you are a developed nation or not. And so last week we saw the breaking of the seals on the scroll of God Almighty. And I said that all this that you are seeing happening globally now, the plague that I spoke into being in 2015, almost five years, and then now is shaking literally every nation upon the face of the earth. The terror of death has consumed people. You are sitting in front of me here today wearing gloves and with masks. This has not been the way things have been. But that is because the Lord sent me and I spoke the plagues. They are now becoming materialized to emphasize to the nations that the messenger of the Lord, the Lord God, the ancient God of Israel, the messengers, they are now upon the face of the earth and that means they have a message from the Lord. We saw very clearly from the book of Revelation chapter 6 last time that the Lamb, the Lamb who is at the center of the throne, that is the Messiah, that is the Christ. The tremendous authority has been given Him when He took the scroll, when He was declared fit to take the scroll from the hand of God Almighty, the holy scroll of God in heaven, and to break the seals and to look inside to be able to read the content of the scroll that nobody else except the lion of the tribe of Judah was found worthy upon the earth, under the earth in the skies up here, inside heaven no one else was found fit except the lamb and we saw that when the Lamb was found fit to break the seals, to take the scroll and break the seals, He is at the center of the throne of God Almighty. And that there are four living creatures at that place, at the center of that throne, surrounding the Lamb. 
and then there are the 24 other thrones and if you move outwards then now you have the multitudes of multitudes and multitudes of heavenly hosts 10,000 times 10,000 we don't know how many billions they are and they worship he that sits on the throne and the lamb and we realized last week we reached a place at which I said that most important of all things except for the pain the terror of death that has consumed the nations of the earth now however most important now is the message most important is the message what is the message coming out of this plague of locust the plague of the corona virus that I spoke into being that I instructed into being I hope you understand that essentially on that day 2015 when I spoke I essentially instructed the creation of a new virus I hope you understand that so what is the message then except for the dread and the fear of death that has stung the earth what is the message and last week we reached a place where I said that the Lord is simply giving you a glimpse of what is coming up of what is ahead the Lord is giving you a glimpse of what is ahead of the earth ahead of you people here because the Bible promised the beginning of birth pains before you enter birth pains proper and that's why I said if this is simply the beginning of birth pains and look death has stung the whole earth including the mighty and most powerful the presidents the prime ministers the kings are testing to see if they are positive of this virus so he said what is the message then I said the Lord is simply saying that this is the beginning of our pains but be careful now it's going to get worse because there is a season coming called the tribulation and the great tribulation and that message came out very clearly last week that the Lord is simply saying that if this is stinging enough then you don't want to be in the bath pains proper and he's saying that when you see this beginning of bath pains start like this that also tells you that the tribulation is very near because as you can tell this is most likely going to flow is going to flow on like this until it links with the tribulation I don't want to say I hate to say that but it's important for me to mention this that God does not do things for fun there is a prophetic timeline of God in heaven that is developing that is constantly a developing story is changing, the clock is ticking and we are moving on towards the end events and I said last week that uh, right now if it is true now that the bath pains are near then that means that the rapture is very very near and that
that is really the message that comes out of there. And I took some time last week to talk to you about how much you don't want to be in the tribulation and the great tribulation because of some very important things I know about that dispensation that I brought to you last week. And I say there's tremendous travail, there's persecution, there is deception. And I presented, I began by presenting the character and the identity of the person of the Antichrist. And you can see that from his viciousness and his activity, you can obviously see that you surely do not want to be in the time when he reigns. So in other words, the Lord is saying that uh, the rapture is near because we know that the church was not built to face that kind of season I'm about to describe here today and that this would be a proper deterrent for you the coronavirus virus you see going on around the world the sting of death the terror then you would choose and I say the way the Lord created men it's like that you have a natural capacity put in you to detect danger and avoid danger a natural capacity to detect danger and avoid danger and so that if you see the beginning of birth pains being that terrible then you would definitely want the exit out of here and that is by preparing for the rapture that is about to take place everybody can tell now even a child 12 year old can now tell that surely the rapture of the church will take place we are in that time when the Lord has made it very clear it will take place nobody knows the day or the hour however you can see from the season and I want before I proceed because today we are going to advance and look at the breaking of the second seal the third seal and the fourth seal which is the most important for this conversation regarding the coronavirus and the sting of death that you see has gripped the earth. Nations have shut down, locked down, they call it. But before we go there, to the breaking of those seals, I just want to do a quick summary again for you that you may be brought into context. Remember, however vicious, however terror or terrifying, the description that I'm going to give today about the season that is coming. This is all happening within the backdrop of a very important conversation that the Lord has had with the church. So the leaning of the church should be towards this other conversation here. Because July 29th, the year 2009, that is the major prophecy, that is the major uh, command, pronouncement that brought into being the rider of the pale horse 
whose action that he will do in the great tribulation, he has already started giving you a little glimpse as nations of the earth, whose dread that he will unleash in the great tribulation, he has begun to give you just little taste of it. And the purpose is clear again, like I said, that you may evade it, you may avoid it. You may not be caught up into that. So we will go from one, two, three, four, to the fourth seal today. And it's going to be a very long sermon here. And the vision of July 29th, 2009 is going to be one of our reference conversations and visitations. And that vision has two sections. And that's why I can't wait to reach to it. When I gave the prophecy of the breaking of the fourth seal and the pronouncement on the release of the fourth horseman. I know I'm going to describe everything, the details at the throne position, at the throne of God, the throne of power. Inside heaven, I'm going to describe that. However, so, so I cannot wait to get there. The breaking of the second seal, third, and the fourth one that really touches on the coronavirus. Because... Fortunately enough for this case, I was myself involved inside there in the throne room where the lamp is and the conversations I had with the four living creatures, each one of them respectively for each of the seals broken. However, I just wanted to summarize a little bit to bring this into context for you and those tuned in globally, all the nations, so that the focus of the church may be in the right place. What do I say? What am I saying? I'm saying that if you look at that tremendous visitation when the Lord brought me inside the throne room of God in heaven, July 29th, the year 2009, that conversation is in two forms. There is the breaking of the seal in front of me when the lamp broke the seal. That fourth seal. And the releasing of the fourth living creature, whom we are going to discuss, and the conversation I had with him, and he went back and released, after he talked with me, then he went back and released the fourth horseman who came, and with my left hand I stopped him at the throne, and then he went on his knees, the horse, because it's a huge horse, I've said this all over the world again, I say it, and he knelt, the horse went down. And I, I touched. So I touched his foreface. That's how I knew it is patched. He's pale but patched. And then I could talk to the rider also. And I described rotten eyes, sunken like a skeleton with teeth out and rotten blood flowing down his, his, uh, his face. And he has tied a turban. He has tied a turban. He's woven it, woven it, but Two of them. So one goes up, one goes down across his face, and then he has a ponytail with a turban at the back. So I have great detail. Then after that conversation, then I immediately pronounced to the earth that now the lamp has broken the fourth seal, and I have seen the release of the rider of the fourth horse of Apocalypse. The fourth horsemen of the apocalypse and the effect that I saw him running all over the earth ever since then before we come to this particular part 
ever since then I have met the rider of the fourth horse twice ever since that day the day that inaugural day when he went running around he has come to me many times the Lord brings him and uh, I don't know how much detail I can give you but uh, then the horse comes and again normally he kneels he goes down to rest in a resting position he sits and he was breathing 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 and you could see that uh, as pure as he was when he was released he has now been uh, he's been I mean he's been working you can tell and he was like tired he's been working and then I sent him again I say you have to get going so, so those are now inner conversations of another axis but still it's important for you to know at this hour however there are two parts of this conversation of July 29th 2009 and I think that is where the church should train her focus too because the second part other than the release the major event inside the throne room of God when the lamb released broke the fourth seal released the fourth living creature I had a conversation with him and then he released the horseman towards me and this conversation ongoing apart from that the second part is that I saw the church for the first time inside heaven standing before the throne of God and worshipping the Lord. So I thought that that is where the focus of the church should be. That I saw the church. I saw the church inside heaven for the first time because I've seen the church taken severally. He has shown me severally. That is really my mission on the earth to talk to you about the uptake of the church the kidnapping of the church the rapture of the church the entry of the church into heaven and so as you can imagine many times faithfully I've come before you and spoken about the rapture of the church however this was my first time to see the church assembled before the Lord and they were worshipping in glorious garments in unison the most beautiful worship and I think that is where the attention should be for this hour for the church in the midst of the corona virus and the death the fear of death and the death that um, the fourth horseman has released that these two prophets have spoken upon the face of the earth and gripped all nations arrested all nations with the terror of death so the vision of the church before the throne of God, that should really be the main focus. That's why I'm trying to bring this entire conversation on the coronavirus, the prophecy and the fulfillment and the messaging. Now I'm saying the instruction is over there. That I have seen the church. The second part is that the church appearing before the throne of God and worshipping before the throne of God. And the second part I want to raise here as we begin our introduction today this tremendous vision of January 15th the year 2017 when I saw the rapture of the church and the elect ascending the glorious stairs of God so, so you see that's why I'm saying this the dread and the death unleashed by the coronavirus and the release this the effect of this fourth horseman beginning to take shape upon the face of the earth to give you a glimpse 
of what will happen in the great tribulation that you may avoid it. So all this is happening to the earth within, in context, within the background of these conversations. But I've seen the church appear before the Lord. And number two, that I've seen the glorious tears of heaven and the church taken up in the rapture January 15th, the year 2017. I've trumpeted it across the globe. And I thought that's the most powerful uh, conversation God could ever have with me to see the bride, the elect, finally entering heaven. It's the most spectacular, the most magnificent of, of them all. In other words, to see the fruit of the cross, the realization of the fruit of the cross that Jesus raised for the church. And so, essentially, you would now take the visitation of the fourth horseman and the current death that has been unleashed upon the face of the earth in context of this. Because now you look at this you look at it in terms of the entry of the church. So in other words, the Lord is speaking to you, the church, about your entry. When you see the coronavirus doing what it's doing, so essentially he's talking about the entry of the church. And we are the same place together. And so, why is that important? So in this summary, that's what I want before we start on the breaking of the second seal. In this summary... In the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 24, it says the following. Excuse me, it says the following. Genesis, chapter 3, 24, that you may understand the gravity and the treasure of all this. He said, after he drove the men out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden, cherubim of glory and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard their way to the tree of life. So you see that now. So with all this dread of the coronavirus that has struck the earth, he's saying the focus should be on the fact that Christ Jesus the Messiah came and opened this door. So that's where your focus should be. That door, that way that I saw, the way to the tree of life, climbing stairs, that way opened by the Lord. That should be the focus of the church today. That when you see more deaths of the coronavirus, the other part, leave it to me. Leave to the messenger who has been sent to execute this judgment upon the face of the earth. Leave it to him. Leave it to them. However, your part should be the treasure that it presents. You begin to understand, look, there was a, a, a door that was closed out of sin. The reason, I'm also going to talk to you today about why does the Lord send the four horsemen. And today I'll really take you up the breaking of the seventh seal, really. If we get time, I want to bring you really to that place where you'll understand that you must get out of here. However, it's important to understand that it is sin, it is the fall of Adam, the fall of man, that is leading to all this. So in other words, you can say that when the seal is broken and you hear the voice of the husband say, of, of the creature say, come and see. In other words, you would imagine he's saying, come and see what man has done on the earth with sin. 
come and see what the sinfulness of man has caused to the earth, has caused to the earth. And then he releases the horseman. So that, that is the way we are going to go today. However, you see, the door was closed. Now it's open. That should be the treasure that we behold from this hour. And if you go to the book of Matthew, if you go to Matthew chapter 5, he says the following, that despite the door being closed, then Christ the Messiah came. And he came, Matthew chapter 5, he says verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you understand right away that this is the hour to be addressing the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because if you look at the earth, look at the way you are before me today. You are wearing masks. You have gloves. And you are very few. The rest were not allowed to come. And you see Italy is closed. People are staying with dead bodies for three days in the house. There's this woman that's still, I mean, there's many of them who have, you can see in the news, have stayed with dead bodies in the house. One of them for three days this morning, you know. The other one was for I don't know how long, his sister, you know. So, so the, 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 the life on the earth is now being destroyed. The Lord is now destroying the comfort of man on the earth that he may get your attention. How can he send a messenger? New Testament only visited in the Old Testament and then you attempt to ignore. But if that is the God you worship, you cannot ignore. So you understand that the Lord is justified to seek your attention, summon your attention, to rendition your attention to himself, right? So he says, this is the hour for the church, for you, the believers, to be thinking about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Think about the kingdom of heaven. You know, those who need, verse 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So this is the hour you should be thinking about the kingdom of heaven, and you should also be thinking about going to meet God. When you see the coronavirus doing what it's doing on the earth, destroying life as you knew it on the earth, that should immediately click in your mind and hearts that I think it's time now to think about going to heaven. It's time to think about going to meet God face to face. And last week I spent some time talking about meeting God. And this was the purpose. This is the purpose for which I did that. In the book of Exodus chapter 33, as we begin this introduction today, Exodus 33, Exodus 33, this is just our introduction to get back so that we may start breaking the seals, continuing with the breaking of the seals. So Exodus 33 would say, okay, from verse 19, then he says, and the Lord said, I'll cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And he says, verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, The 
is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and you see my back, but my face you must not see. So this is the kind of arrangement now. He's saying, you cannot see God. And yet now, the hour has beheld when you should be. What was then not possible is going to happen to the church. That is where you should be training your focus. That the hour has come when we are going to see God face to face. I'm saying that when you look at the coronavirus, in other words, and the devastation is beginning to cause, this is just a developing story. If you hear the projections of the WHO, they say, I don't know how many million people will die. In the workplace, it will be impossible. And this is going to ground, the, it might ground the world for, I don't know, a year. What, if you hear the projections, it doesn't give you much hope about this earth. But your focus should always be here that look now, what was impossible, the Lord Jesus. You should be focused on Jesus who opened for you such an exit strategy, exit way, exit path to exit this space. That, that is the, the place you should be. And Exodus 32 right there, verse 10, he goes on and says, as we still build on this introduction, he says, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them that I may destroy them then I'll make you into a great nation so again what, what am I trying to say here in this introduction here I'm saying even as much as you are going through all this on the earth your focus should be on meeting God and then you should be alive to the fact that he is the consuming fire he has zero tolerance to sin at this hour Otherwise, he will consume you. And then John chapter 4, as we are still leading this introduction, and the reason I bring this to you is because right now, globally, the focus is on the dread and the death. The sting of death that has shaken the whole earth. Everybody's afraid. Leaders, parliamentarians, Canadian parliament, I think, is shut down for some time. Iranian parliament, what? The whole earth. Everybody is shaken, the fear of death. But in the midst of this, I'm saying, you should remember that when the Lord sent me to strike the earth with the rider of the pale horse, in that conversation, there was another conversation about the entry of the church. So the message then became very clear that it became, if it becomes unbearable like this, but for you, you ought to be on the other side with God. And just that you may understand, the pale horse, Chloros, if you, that, that's the name. Once I wrote an article, I think on a magazine, and we published it globally on the web, about this, this pale horseman. And I said, his skin, when he came at that throne position, even when he goes around and he comes, the Lord brings him to gain contact with me. Remember, those are the instruments these prophets use in their mission. That's now very clear. That's why they instruct, they prophesy, they strike. 
But uh, his skin being green, that level of yellowish green chloros, like a leaf that is dying. I mean, when you look at him in that form, he's essentially a rotting, rotting horse. His flesh, that, that is rotting. When, when I look at him, it looks like, I know for the leaves it can be that, but for the horse, you can imagine what I see when he comes at the throne position. That is essentially the image for, for man or anyone. If your body is greenish like that, or greenish yellow, that means it's rotting. In other words, past laden. So this is a very gruesome situation that is happening to the earth. But remember, his rider is called death. That's why he has stung the earth with death. And we are not yet dealing with the fourth seal. I'm only saying that in the context of this, rather in all this we should have have it in context of this entry of the church and the stairs that have been lowered John chapter 4 he says the following John chapter 4 as we develop this conversation John chapter 4 verses 23 and 24 and he says I began from 21. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Verse 22. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is for the Jews. Verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipper will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshippers must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. So again, now, there you go. If you wanted to discuss your entry at this point, the horseman is unleashing terror and death. And now I'm saying your focus should be on entry, on heaven. The instruction right there that the Lord is seeking for the worshippers that worship Him at this hour in spirit and in truth. So again, that means He's looking for the spiritual church, the spirit-filled church, the Holy Spirit church, the church that's undergoing the Holy Spirit revival, the Holy Ghost revival of the latter days. And in truth, the church that has no lies, John chapter 12, as we wind down on this part. John chapter 12, 35. He says the following. Thirty-five on. I will just read a little bit. John 12, 35 on. Look at what he says. He says, Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. While you, are, while you have the light... Before darkness overtakes you, whoever walks, okay, let's begin, begin again. John 12, 35 says, Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light. While you have the light 
so that you may become the children of light. You can read on and on. But this is so important. Why am I reading this? Because remember, this was right before Jesus went to the cross. He was giving this statement, this warning, right before he went to the cross. And you can, let me just summarize this for you here. Just focus on me for a moment. Let, let's put it in the, in, into the complete picture, portrait of this, why he gave this statement. This is amazing. Because he had come and he had been rejected. His own rejected him. He went and healed on Shabbat and they thought he's not obeying the laws. So he, they said no, he could not have come from God. Aye. Because he healed on Shabbat. And he said, who of you when a donkey falls into the pit, eh, wouldn't you rescue the donkey even on Shabbat, Right? But you see, based on those parameters, calibrations, they calibrated that he was not from God. Because, you know, they rejected him because he, he, he healed somebody on Shabbat. He preached against them. You know, they were following a legalistic setting. The Pharisees. This was right in the height of rejection. That Jesus made this statement here. And it's amazing because look, whom, him whom they had said was not of the Lord, has, they considered him a sinner. And they treated him like a criminal and, and nailed him like a criminal. But before he went to the cross, he said this, him whom they had written out, refused to believe now, stands up and gives this statement. He tells them, look, the light, I am the light of the world. But he says, the light is on now. Take the light. Walk in the light while it, there is still light. While you still have light. I don't think there's any other generation on the face of the earth that this statement should resonate to so seriously than you. Because you can tell from the coronavirus that has shaken the, virtually the entire earth. Gripped them with the fear of death. The terror of death. And that tells me he's telling you that soon Darkness is going to be here. The light is going to be taken away. The church is the holy temple of the Holy Spirit, holy dwelling, holy tabernacle, holy habitation of the Holy Spirit. And when the rapture takes place, darkness comes. I've seen that dark dispensation. Because what? The housing of the Holy Spirit is taken away and the Holy Spirit is led, he, he's led away. He leaves rather. He leaves. He leads the church away from here. And he, the church is led away. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit himself, who leads the church to present her, is taken away from you. And so, I mean, there's no greater generation than you that should really, really be reading this scripture and understanding that darkness is around the corner. Because you now see the semblance of what will happen in the Great Tribulation. From the coronavirus and the locust You see a little glimpse of what is coming So really really you see You're beginning to feel It's like when the winter is about to come And you're starting to feel the winter winds It's, already, it's still autumn But the winds, the cold winds Are starting to hit you So you're beginning to understand that it's going to be quite tough It's going to be very tough This winter Unbearable is the word And so there's no generation that has been accorded the privilege of tasting the other dispensation of darkness than you. 
And so this is, and then you go to John chapter 4, right there. Verse 4, John chapter 14 rather, 14 verse 4. Right next there. He says the following, you know the way to the place where I am going. Meaning, follow me. Only the followers of Jesus will enter where he has entered. You know the way to where I am going. So if you want, please follow me. And that's why I'm saying, on that day when the Lord sends me to strike the earth with the pale horsemen, that July 29th, the year 2009, there was also a second part of the conversation, the church appearing before the Lord. And that should be the focus of you, blessed people. And we should not be, it should not be lost on us that appearing before the Lord requires contriteness. The book of Isaiah 66, 1 to 3. Humble, repentant hearts, contrite. And you should not forget the fact that Isaiah chapter 6 presents a very beautiful picture of what it means to appear before the dreadful throne of God. And how the seraphim takes the burning coal from the altar, which is the blood of Jesus, with a tongue and purges and purifies Isaiah. So meaning, you should be focused more on purification because you are soon to appear before the throne of God. Isaiah chapter 6, the purification by the blood of Jesus. The seraphim take the hot tongue, the tongue and the hot coal and touch his mouth to purge him. To clean him up, to purify him, to sanctify him. So he's saying that you that are preparing should be focusing on entry and appearing before the throne of God. That is where your focus should be. And how about the book of Zechariah? Zechariah chapter 3. You see very clear when, clearly when Joshua, the high priest, appears before the Lord. And you see how the Lord, it is, it is prerogative of the Lord, His preserve, it is His authority to purify you. So again, what a generation you are, you should lean on Jesus. Because He is the purifier anyway. Going from Zechariah chapter 3. Because you see, the enemy was trying to accuse Joshua, the high priest. This is the message I gave in Kisumu right before the cloud came. Very clearly, more elaborately there. That when he stood before him and the devil was trying to accuse him. But look, then the Lord Jesus purifies him. The burning sticks night from the fire. And in so saying, in so doing rather, the Lord was saying, that look, my name is Jesus. Remember when the angel said, and you shall call him Jesus. Because he shall save his people. So he saved Joshua right there. He should be leaning on Jesus at this hour, on the Lord. So the thing that comes out of there is Matthew chapter 3, as I finish this introduction, Matthew chapter 3. I'm finishing the introduction so we can go back to the seals. But I just wanted to make sure that as I go into the more gruesome parts of what is coming ahead of you here, which should deter you from waiting for that dispensation as I move into the breaking of the seals and the tremendous that you're going to hear today you should now have this at the back of your mind that no, for me I should be focused within the cascade of all this I should be focusing on entry on the kingdom of heaven more than anything else hallelujah
So as I finish now, Matthew chapter 3, and it says, Matthew chapter 3, I begin to read verses uh, 7 to 10. It says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You broods of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say unto yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you the truth, that out of these stones God can raise forth children for Abraham. The axe is already at the foot of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What is he saying here? To you, generation, I don't want to say the generation of the coronavirus. That would not be a good label, would it? I see you shaking head that you don't want it at all. So, but, but, but this generation that has lived to see the coronavirus, has lived to see the plagues that were promised that will take place in the great tribulation, now, before the tribulation comes, the messengers of the great of the tribulation of the Lord begin to strike the earth in the beginning of birth pains to give you a taste of what is coming, to deter you from being complacent, that you may now take Jesus, believe the gospel, be born again, be holy, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, and see the eternal everlasting kingdom of everlasting life. So, what are the messages giving you from this Matthew chapter 3, 7 to 10? Because it says, when he saw them coming to him to be baptized, who has warned you to flee from the coming wrath? You broods of vipers. Meaning there is a coming wrath. There is no other generation again that should be well counseled, well instructed on this than you. Because you can almost tell that this is the hour when the people should be running to, 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 to take the Lord. I mean, if they're given a chance to go to church, they should be filling up the churches and expanding and overflowing to the street. Why? Because someone has warned them of the coming wrath. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can just see the coming wrath. So who has warned you to flee from the coming wrath? You are the ones who should be fleeing right now, holding on to Jesus, becoming a holier Christian. Upholding on righteousness, rejecting complacency and apostasy, immorality, the deception and the falsehood in the church. This is what he's saying here. When he saw them coming, he said, You broods of vipers, who has warned you to flee from coming wrath? Even if you are the greatest of sinners, at this hour as we speak, you really, really should have run to the Lord. Because you begin to understand that there is a coming wrath. And it's virtually unbearable. And so, I want to finish with one small segment before I summarize the seals. I go to the seals and catch up with where we were yesterday, uh, last time. Matthew chapter 25, verses, well, I can start um, verse 11. It says, Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour of the rapture. When the church is taken. He's saying, all of them were given ample time, enough time, privilege, opportunity to prepare. All of you now on this earth have been given opportunity to prepare. Let's begin, let's retract it a bit. 
Can we do a derivative with it? Push it a little back and derive it from there? Look at, look at the times we used to meet here. And, uh, and, 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 and Deputy Archbishop Masinde says, oh no, I'm chairman of the department, I'm busy. I'm not able to come. I don't know whether that's exactly what he said or that was a translation of his message. It was a mistranslation, eh? misinterpretation. That's why interpre- interpreters are trained. I hope he was not simply trying to save you. But anyhow, you, you know, the door was open. Everybody could come. Ah, no, I'll come next time. I told the Semenyas in Australia that whenever the meetings are called, always come. If you're able to come, always come because you don't know what happens after that. A time will come when you long to come and you are not able to come. Look at this now. Look, now not everybody's here. Only a few of you are here with masks and gloves. I mean, <laughs> and yet the other day, the door was open here. Even students were all over, all over there. Eh? It was really open here. Hmm? But now only a few can be here. So in Matthew 25, he says, a time comes when the door closes. He said, the same Jesus that said, knock and it shall be opened. They knock and he himself tells them to tell you the truth, I don't know you. And bang, slams the door on them, locks the door. Locks them out into hell. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about the fact that the door closes. You can see the signs by the coronavirus that has gripped the earth. Right before the tribulation sets in, you can tell that the door is about to close. The door is about to close. If you got the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 26, same thing. You can tell that the door is about to close. He says in Isaiah 26, verses 19, verse 20 is all I'm looking for. And he says the following. He says, but your dead will live. I'm reading 19. But your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. For your dew is like the dew, is as fresh as the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. Then verse 20 is really what I wanted to read. Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Go, my people, enter thou into thy rooms and shut thou thy doors about thee. In the other versions. Hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the peoples of the earth for their sins. The the earth will disclose the bloodshed upon her. The earth will conceal her slain no longer. You can see the messengers of the wrath of God already on the earth. So you can tell very clearly that the Lord is about to unleash his wrath from heaven over the face of the earth. The messengers of that wrath are already here. They're already walking here now. And so you can see very clearly that very soon this door is about to shut. Go, my people, enter thou into thy chambers. Shut thou thy chambers about thee. Shut thou thy door. So close the door. The door is about to close. So if you're going to prepare 
and focus on eternity. You have to do it with a sense of urgency and diligently also. And prepare and enter. He says in the book of Second Corinthians, as we finish up the introduction today and start on the seals, Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. Last week you were here, you were eating together, you were greeting each other. You are giving each other high five, pa, greeting each other. Today you cannot. Look, you are sitting almost one meter away from each other. You can tell that these two prophets have essentially spoken with the Lord their God. And they have agreed that if these people, these nations, this generation, the cloud, I can call the cloud of God, Yahweh himself, and he comes. If I can walk here and the glory pass through the sun, settle on the crown of my head, and I'm walking live video recorded and shared on tubes and so forth, on social media. If I can, uh, 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 if, if the Lord can cause me to command 87 stadiums, cripples get up and walk, standing until today walking. HIV, they're still 50 watt. Until today they are negative. If all this plus strike Mexico with earthquake from here, strike who? If all this can happen and these people still don't come to you, and they still gathered their churches, their homes, their churches, churches, big churches where America, Nigeria, South Africa, Europe, Australia, what? And they are not coming to you, and they can clearly see that I have descended, I have come, the God they worship has come to you. Then let us shut down their worship. So you see now they cannot meet They cannot meet He says if you cannot come to me Then don't worship Don't meet You see South Korea Shut down China Italy Turning churches into mugs The message is very clear He's saying the door is about to shut And this semblance This shutting of the door Where you cannot meet in church anymore I mean, as you wanted, there are now rules. Like in Kenya now, you have to have sanitizers, what, what, and so forth. I mean, this tells you that soon even the big churches you see, <laughs> he will not allow them gather. You tell them, no, if you cannot go to my servants and take my instruction, then you, you also cannot meet now. But I'm using it in the context of the warning that the door is about to shut. Like this door is now shutting. Openly, you can see. Last week, you were so many here. This time, you are few. And you can tell that this door is fast shutting, fast closing. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse two, he says, "For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you." I tell you again, we are reading Second Corinthians six, chapter two. Are you there? Hello? Thank you. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of my salvation and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you now, now is the time of God's favor. And today, now is the day of salvation. But it's fast closing. The door is shutting anyway. You're now using gloves to write. 
So he says, enter now before the door shuts. Today is the day for entry. The book of Isaiah 55, as we close down this part, this little introductory part, Isaiah 55. So that when I begin now to discuss with you the breaking of the seals and some of the tremendous you are going to hear from there, you have this at the back of your mind. You think, however. So this is kind of a tranquilizer. That however, in the midst of all this death of the coronavirus, for me I should focus on entry into the rapture, entry into the kingdom of God. What does it take? What do I need to do to enter everlasting life? If the earth that we so loved is now being destroyed this much, and it will be worse in the great tribulation as you see when I read the breaking of the seals. Isaiah 55, it says, verses 6 and 9, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and you have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon them. Look at that. Very powerful. He's saying, seek the Lord while you can still find him. Look at what the coronavirus has done. The prophecy I gave across the entire earth. And I normally come live on radio. So it's global. I normally prepare people. It's announced. I'm going to come live on air this time. So all the cities, all the globe, everybody's given a chance to tune in. And to hear how he's saying it. And then the details that are contained in the prophecy. And when they are fulfilled, then you see that God is in the details. The lack of equipment until now. There is lack of testing kits in the U.S. The U.S. of all nations. Lack of kits for testing. Lack of gloves everywhere globally. The factories are converting themselves into making masks and gloves, but they cannot still meet the number. You see, even in the U.S., they're using polythene bags to stitch up some protective gear. I mean, there's no treatment for it. So the details I gave you the prophecy are realized. They are realized in the fulfillment. And in a very dreadful way. And he says, disease distress. And it's really a distress. He says, disease emergency also. He said in that prophecy. And it's such an emergency. Yesterday you see Donald Trump the U.S. president, yesterday he, he gave an order, a presidential decree, that now we have entered into a national emergency on this disease. Those are words that are commanded from heaven because they are in the prophecy, right? And so he says, seek the Lord while you can still find him. Stop joking around. Proverbs chapter 1 and I placed for you this scripture on radio that it may be read for you severally and it has been read for you severally. But seek the Lord while you can find Him. How about the book of Luke? Luke chapter 19. Because Proverbs chapter 1, 24 to 33, I put it on radio. I told them to use it to instruct the church that they may know. The Lord spoke with them again and again to repent. If the nations had not done what they have done, we would not be here. It would be milder. The Lord is just. 
He is fair. He is the God of justice. He would simply do things to make sure you understand that this is the messenger. These two are the messengers. This is the messenger. These two are the messengers for the great tribulation. That he would make. He has all the ways. He has done it already. To emphasize and to make it very clear that this is they. But you see, because of sin on the earth, the heedlessness, the failure to obey, disobedience, then now look, it's terrible. All the nations are caught up in this. Every nation is reeling in the pain of the coronavirus now. Luke chapter 19, he says the following. Luke 19 from 44, he says, 41, 41, he says, as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it and said, If you, even you, had known on this thy day, what would bring you peace? Jerusalem, the city of peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you. In other words, surround you and encircle you in and hem you in on all sides, on every side. Verse 44. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. He's talking to Jerusalem. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you, the time of your visitation. He was talking to Israel about the great tribulation that's about to happen. When all the armies will surround Israel. Remember I talked about it last week, the Antichrist? Today I'm going to touch on it. Once we begin, once I finish this introduction now, we're going to touch a little bit on the Antichrist, on the seals and start moving with the seals. But look at this now. This is what he's saying. He's saying, that for Israel then, that conversation was that the great tribulation comes and then all the armies will surround you. If you look at now, the Russian army and Russian involvement around there now, and you look at uh, the North Korean army and all the other armies around there, Turkey, join and so forth, that would be such a huge storm coming surrounding Israel. And he says, in the great tribulation you will have nowhere to run to. But he was essentially talking to a city that has failed to recognize her hour of visitation. And the door was closing. And the door became closed on that day. He said, no, now you won't go into the rapture. Now you have to go through the great tribulation. The door was still open. But it was closing. It was closing for rejecting the hour of your visitation. Could it be that is what the earth did? When the Lord sent the two of us. However enigmatic. However complicated. The mission. I have is. Even to realize at one point we are two. One point is alone. And then there are two. One is the spiritual form. One is the front lead. One is commanding heaven to open. The other one is commanding the plagues into place. Is striking the other plagues and so forth. However complicated. The Lord is sovereign. He has sovereignty. That is his prerogative. He can do as he wants. He doesn't have to come and consult with you and do a debate and, do, and take a vote. No. Not at all. 
however complicated, you still would have accepted the message because the message was clear. Repent and turn away from sin. Believe the gospel for the Messiah is coming. And be holy for without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. Very clear, pure message. And that's why I want now to look a little bit, uh, to start moving into where we were last week. To look at a little bit of the seals. Hallelujah. Step by step. Trying to catch base with last week. And I know we have two days here, that's why we are going. It's too much, we may not finish, but I'll try to squeeze in everything in the two days. That's why today we might finish late. So what did we see last week? Last week we saw that the Antichrist, based on his personality, that the Lamb is the one that releases the Antichrist. Can I describe that vision here? That visitation when he brought me to the throne? I went live on radio and I promised on this day I would do that, right? Hallelujah. I can see Professor Njoro is taking some. So, so can we take a short break for him to come back? Do you people want to go for a short? We can wait for him. Let's wait for him. Can we put some worship on radio as we wait for him? Last week we saw that there is nature and mission and duty. You don't want to be in the rain. When he takes authority, right? You don't want to be in that dispensation. What did we see last week? We saw that he will be a very smart person. That all this happening with the coronavirus, all this you see happening with the earth now. The devastation by the coronavirus at this hour. We have seen very clearly, we saw last week, that all this is instructing the church that the dispensation of the tribulation and the great tribulation are coming. Am I live on air? So, again, we saw very clearly last week that this gripping of the earth, the terror of death that has eaten the earth, the high and mighty, the low and who, the poor and what, is essentially a message the Lord is saying to the church and to the nations that look this prophecy was instructed by these messengers you see who actually belong to the other dispensation and yet that th- this coronavirus this plague of locusts all these plagues you see now that are coming into play which are actually the main plagues in the dispensation to come they speak about the fact that that dispensation is about to be held. So that was the most important message you picked from there. And that, how about you then? Where do you want to spend that time? Because we know too well that before that dispensation kicks in, the church is taken. The church is taken up into the rapture. And so the instruction really was for the Christians to behold the principles of salvation that will enable them to be taken up into the rapture, right? Righteousness, holiness, live a holier life, abandon sin, reject sexual immorality. Are we together? And so, in a summary, we saw that the Antichrist would come and devastate the earth. And so the Lord is using the coronavirus to tell you that, look, you don't want to be on earth during that coming dispensation. 
So prepare for exit. I have given you an exit strategy, an exit route. The stairs have been lowered already. That's why I went to Genesis 3.24 to tell you how much that route was closed until Christ Jesus, the Savior of the world, our Savior, my Lord, came and opened that door when the curtain ruptured in the temple upon his crucifixion, death, and resurrection, right? Remember when he made the second cry aloud and the curtain ruptured? We don't have time to go to Matthew 27, 50, 51. When the curtain ruptured, that is when he opened that way again that leads into the Holy of Holies, leads to God. And that's why I was talking to you in the first part of this conversation about meeting God face to face. And so we saw that the Antichrist who is coming would be full of intrigue, a very smart person, very intellectual, excellent in, in, uh, in intellectualism, intelligent. Hmm? Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8. We saw that he would be intellectually excellent. He would possess intellectual excellence, a genius, so to say, in the standards of this earth. Genius for wickedness. That's amazing, right? I wonder how many of you would want to be in the reign of a genius for wickedness. Okay. Then he says in Daniel chapter 8, verse 23. He says, In the latter part of their reign, when the rebels have become completely wicked, a fierce-looking king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will be very smart. And if you look at Daniel chapter 11, verse 43, I'm just trying to rear, to touch base, to get our bearing towards where we were last time. If you look at Daniel chapter 11, verse 43 says, He will gain control of the treasures of gold and silver and the articles of riches and all the wealth and riches of Egypt. So which means the Antichrist would have extreme ex- excellence, intellectual excellence in commerce also. And that is what would enable him to subdue the earth, that without the mark of the beast you cannot do commerce. We saw all those things. Which means you are forced to worship the beast. You are forced to worship Satan. I gave the example of the pastor. I've already lived that time. I've already lived in the dispensation of the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation. Because remember, I enacted for you here that dream when it took me and I saw the lady pastor and she rejected Christ in order to buy. If you go to Revelation... Chapter 13. So we're looking at some of his qualities before I go to the seals. And from those qualities, the purpose was one, that you may shun that dispensation. You may not like it. That you may prepare to enter now. Hallelujah. So the book of Revelation, chapter 13, he would be an intellectual. He would have intellectual excellence in commerce. A genius in commerce. I've just read for you Daniel 11.43. I'm reading now 
Revelation 13 verses 16 and 17 he says the following he says it also forced all people great and small rich and poor, free and slave to receive the mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. So you see now, if you look at what's happening in, in uh, Italy now, you cannot move. You cannot live where you are staying in Italy right now. You cannot leave until there are roadblocks. Police officers have to check the letter. Do you have a permit for traveling? Th- that is such a perfect scenario for what will happen in the Great Tribulation. It was happening in China also. It's still happening in Wuhan and many other places in China. The hotspots. That you are not allowed to travel until you have a permit authorizing you to travel. I mean, that's really the nitty gritty, finest detail of control. But you see, we were looking at the character of the Antichrist and we saw that he would be a genius in commerce. An intellectual genius. He would have intellectual excellence in managing the issues of commerce to bring everybody under his jurisdiction and execute that law, that principle that whosoever does not have a mark, his mark, the mark of the devil, in other words, does not worship him, then you are outside his law. You are slaughtered, executed right away. Before you buy, he would ensure, he would institute this rule. And these were for the purposes of deterring you from entering there. And we also saw that he would have military power, some kind of military excellence. In the book of Revelation chapter 6, which I read at the breaking of the seal, the first seal, we are reading it again. Revelation chapter 6 verse 2, he says the following. He says, I looked and there before me was a white horse, his rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror who is determined to take conquest. A conqueror who is bent on conquest. A conqueror who is determined to take victory, who must triumph. So that means he has some excellence in military affairs to be able to conquer and take it. And he must be such a genius because at this point in time you don't see the arrows, right? And in Revelation chapter 13, verse 2, let's look at his military excellence. He says, The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but he had the feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power, his throne, and his great authority. So look at that. Look at that level of military excellence that is being portrayed there, being painted there, portrayed. A leopard is vicious, is swift, is bloody, is murderous. He has no rules. If, if a leopard appeared here, all of you would fall, helters. he has scratched ten people in the shortest time and beaten someone's stomach, broken which neck, beat which eyes off. He's so swift and so vicious. And then he says, the bear, the bear is the worst. People run away from the mountains. Remember at one time when this bald headed was laughed at? The 
terrible. He eats plus the bones. And then after that, after that, then at the same time, you see that he is a lion. The king, the lion is not a joke. He can eat a leopard for a meal. So you can imagine. If the, the compounding of those three, putting those three together, the Lord is using to, to portray the excellence in military execution. Meaning he is virtually unbearable. Nobody can bear him. Then surely this must be a military genius. He's good in arranging military affairs to defeat people. There are other scriptures I could have read for you where it says he must conquer all the sheep, all the saints, all the Christians. He's given power to conquer them, attack them and conquer. None of them can stand him. So in the book of Daniel, chapter 11, as we finish up with this, just introducing what we saw last time, right? Does it help you? Oh yes, just that we may touch base because today we have a long session and including tomorrow all the churches will be tuned in here tomorrow, right? So the book of Daniel chapter 11, 36, it says the following. The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and he will, he will say unheard of things against the God of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed for what has been determined must take place. Okay, the wrath we are talking about here is not wrath on him. The wrath of God that has brought him. Did you understand? That he will be successful in everything he does until the time of wrath. The wrath is completed. So to say that he is successful in everything he does, that means he is an academic excellence. He executes academic excellence. He is learned. He's, he, he can do anything. He's a genius actually. That's the better thing I should use. Anything he does, he must succeed perfectly. And he's allowed to until the wrath upon the earth is finished. That's why he is brought. The wrath upon the rebellious people is accomplished. He will also have political excellence in negotiating treaty. I mean, he, 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 political genius, let's say. Revelation chapter 17. You can read on. Even Revelation chapter 13. Even Daniel. I read it for you last week. That he knows how to come to Jerusalem and balance things. Balance it so well. Give the Palestinians something small. Give this side small. Take away here and do a peace treaty. He's an orator. That means when he speaks, he's a good speaker, public speaker. He can convince hearts. And if he's to convince people to worship his fake miracles or to worship him, Ah, there is a generation right now that even mere false prophets have lied to her. Come on now. How about a genius? There is a generation ready for him already. If mere false apostles that you can just see and know that this guy is not a prophet. This guy is not an apostle. This guy, God does not speak with this guy. You can, anybody can tell, but people still buy in. Then how much more are you now ready for the Antichrist? That genius, right? And so, 
by definition of his name, you could see that you don't want to be in that dispensation because he virtually brings the whole earth to the worshipping of Satan. Right? And you don't want to be devil worshippers, I know that. And so, by virtue of his name, he opposes Christ. He's a counterfeit to Christ. He opposes Christ. Can we look at that? John chapter 1, are you ready with me? He's a counterfeit. He's anti-anti-Christ. Anti. Do you hear the word anti? Anti-Christ. Hmm? He opposes Christ. Let's just be, I want to be elaborate because I know many nations are tuned in. I don't want to take anything for chance because I will not take this again. So I'd rather just give it full scale today and tomorrow. Okay, the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That is Christ. Christ is God. I have seen the Messiah at the center of the throne of God in heaven. If you, even if you had not read the Bible, I can tell you that Christ Jesus is God. He is God. Huh? And another scripture here, the same book of John, chapter 10, if you don't mind. Verse 36, he says the following. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage. John, John chapter 10, sorry about that. John chapter 10, verse, uh, verse 36, of course, thank you. John 10, 36, excuse me for that. John 10, 36, he says, What about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent him to the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Did you understand? He is God. He is God the Son. So the Antichrist, by virtue of his name, definition, rather his identity, character, identity, Antichrist, he also tries to counterfeit that. Right? Second Thessalonians we saw. Are we together? Remember we are soon going to the seals. Don't worry about this. Just for the sake of those who were not around last week. Right? Even you, you are learning quite a bit, right? Yeah, you are now establishing yourself into this uh, message so that you may understand what's happening with the coronavirus. What is the message out of the coronavirus? The message is very simple, that the Antichrist is coming, that the dispensation of the Antichrist is coming, that you may now receive Christ Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Be born again properly, be holy, and enter heaven. Avoid this that I'm about to handle today. Today I'm going to really handle what happens in that dispensation that the entire earth may shun it, may stay away from it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, blessed people, verse 4, he says the following. He says, He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So, Antichrist, you see that? He tried to do exactly what Jesus was doing. Anti, against Jesus. Jesus is God, he tries to make himself God. You don't want to be at that time on this earth, right? 
Because you want to worship only Jehovah, right? Yes. And Christ, well, let's, let's read the book of Matthew chapter 9, if you don't mind. Matthew chapter 9. Blessed people. Matthew chapter 9. He says the following. Verse 32 and 33. Again, still building up on what we did last time. Matthew 9, 32, 33. He says the following here. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Aye. They brought him a man that was demon-possessed and mute. And he healed him. He performed a mighty miracle right there. Mighty mir- This is a mighty miracle. And so he could now speak. And also set free. So Jesus performed miracles. The book of Mark chapter 6. Verse 2. And there are many others. You can read many other miracles of Jesus. Many. Even right there in Matthew chapter 8 still, verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house and he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with fever, he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. That is a big miracle right there. He chased away death. He cast death right there. And there are so many others. And when you read the same Matthew chapter 9, we're not yet going anywhere. While he was, verse 18, while he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment and she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. The other versions ask, he asked, who has touched me? A mighty, mighty miracle again. Very mighty miracle. But he raises a dead girl here. So Jesus performed miracles, blessed people. So can we look at Matthew 24? Hallelujah. Because the Antichrist, Antichrist, he will do things that will oppose Christ, will mimic Christ, counterfeit Christ. So Matthew chapter 24, I'm reading verse 24. Look at what he says here. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you this ahead of time. Did you understand now? He also comes and tries to do miracles, false miracles. But people believe. If today in the church, in the present day church, somebody is told, these false preachers tell them, 
sow a seed. Go and bring the logbook of your car. Bring, bring a title deed. Or sow a big seed for your crippled child to walk. And they are doing it. How much more when this genius appears? The Antichrist. How much more will they believe him? Look, Jesus performed miracles. Now we go on this side. Jesus himself promised the church. He warned the church that the false messiah would come. Of course he has his forerunners, the false apostles, false prophets right now. But he himself would appear also and purport to perform miracles. No wonder he says, but they will come to him and say, Lord, we, we, we did kick out demons. We, we, we delivered people in your name. We did miracles in your name. And he will say, to tell you the truth, I do not know you. I don't know what you are doing in the house. I don't know you. I, I tell you. This is unbelievable. Second hmm? Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 9, he says the following. He says, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of display of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And all the ways of wickedness to deceive those who are perishing. And last week we saw that the lost sheep who are perishing... The ones who are perishing are those that refuse, they reject the truth, reject salvation. They're in the church, but they don't want righteousness. They don't want holiness. They want, don't want to repent from sin. They want a gospel of flesh, itching and entertaining their flesh. Or they're outside in the world, but they don't want to receive Christ. So did you understand that he will perform counterfeit miracles to try to anti-Christ, to oppose Christ, Right? We also saw last week that Christ Jesus has a crown. Can we look at the book of Revelation chapter 19 verse 12, right? I'm simply touching base with last week before we start today's seals, breaking of the seals. Revelation chapter 19 verse 12, he says, verse 11, he says, I saw heaven standing open and those, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. Remember, I've seen this do you remember that he that speaks with you? Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome to speak to somebody who has been to heaven and has actually seen this horse. And when he looked, who is... Because the voice said, look and see who is seated on the white horse. When I looked and saw this humongous, white, glorious horse, the neighing of the horse have gone all over the world doing... Right? I've gone all over the world from New Zealand to Australia to where, to Finland to wherever. I've been doing that globally. How that horse is neighing. And he's wagging his tail. And he's running around in heaven there as in ready to be released. When I looked at him, I saw the glory of the Lord on him. The rider of the horse. I have seen this horse. How awesome to give it to you, having been to heaven and seen this. What generation are you then? And he says verse 12, which is our target. Verse 12 is all we needed. He says in verse 12, his eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. And he has many crowns, of course, right? 
We all know the Messiah has many crowns, right? Oh yes, he has many crowns. But the Antichrist also has ten horns and ten diadems, ten, ten crowns on them, right? Do we have to go to Revelation 13, really? We saw it, right? Don't worry, this time around we are going to major on Revelation 13. So we will get to it. But he's counterfeiting the Messiah. Hallelujah. He's anti, he's opposing Christ. The Messiah rides the white horse, verse 11, as we've seen. The Antichrist. So, so he also rides the white horse, Revelation chapter 6, right? We saw that last week, right? Hallelujah. White horse, white horse, to symbolize uh, righteousness, purity. In, our, in that way, he disguises. And I said, if he came wearing some maroon jacket, and on the back, his back is written the Antichrist. Eh? I mean, please. <laughs> no, no, please. No, then the, there's no way he would win even. You, I don't know whether anybody could choose him. Nobody, right? The Messiah was resurrected, Revelation 28, right? I mean, uh, Matthew 28, sorry about that. Matthew 28. Let's see 28 verse 6. Matthew 28 verse 6. The Messiah was resurrected. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and is going ahead of you into the Galil. There you will see him, now I have told you. He is risen. I entered the throne of God Almighty in heaven, and I saw the Messiah, I saw the Lamb of God. He is risen. He resurrected. But the Antichrist also he counterfeits resurrection, Right? Isn't that true? Did we see that last week? We were here last week, right? Please, I'm, I'm simply trying to touch base with you, right? Revelation chapter 13, are you there? You'll see. Okay, let me read it for that matter. But we saw it last week. So that I may rush into the seals. Say, the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads. Do you see the ten horns? And it says, with, with, with ten crowns on its horns. Trying to mimic the Messiah. You understand? And say, and on each of his head, a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled leopard, but looked like that. You know? One of the heads of the beast, verse 3. One of the heads of the beast seemed... To have had a fatal mortal wound. But the fatal wound had healed, had resurrected, in other words. Then the whole world was so astonished and filled with wonder. And they followed the beast and people worshipped the dragon because he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against him? He's just trying to mimic the Lord in everything because we know the scripture says, who is like the Lord? You understand? Who can fight the Lord? Christ is part of the Trinity, right? Is that not true? 
Christ is part of the Trinity. That's the, the unassailable truth. The Holy Trinity of God. And yet the Antichrist, as we have just read now, is part of some unholy, unholy Trinity. Because you can see the dragon is involved, the Antichrist is involved, the false prophet, right? Hallelujah. So, wasn't that what we saw last week? Yes, so therefore, this week, in a summary of what we touched last week, hallelujah, we saw last week that the Lamb in chapter 6, the book of Revelation chapter 6, the Lamb begins to break the seals. And the first seal is this white horseman we've just seen. The Antichrist. His name is deception and lies and falsehood. The false Christ. And the second seal we are going to see will be the red horse of wars and rumors of wars. The third seal we are going to see is a black horse, famine, scarcity, death, financial crisis. The fourth seal, as we are going to see with the coronavirus on now, is the pale horse. He brings death. His name is Death the Rider. And hate follows him. So you can tell that he comes to take away life, the physical life. And then, he, so he brings physical death and then spiritual death. Because you see hate is following him to take the souls. So while he kills the physical death, but also following right, right close by is hate. There's so much I cannot share with you that I know in the interaction with this horse. I can only share what we are supposed to share up to this level. For you rather. So we're going to see that That hate follows him To harvest the souls Into hell And the fifth seal We'll see the persecution of the saints As we're going to see I'm just giving you a snapshot of what we're about to do And the sixth one Heaven is shaken Heaven is shaken The heavens are shaken Tremendously And the seventh seal is the unveiling of God's wrath. In a nutshell, that's how it's going to go, blessed people today, tuned in all over the world. And so, looking at Revelation chapter 6, and the first seal, let's see again what it says. He says, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Now we are beginning to work on the seals. Now I'm going to be giving you tremendous... I want to share with you this vision here. When he brought me into the throne room, and this horseman was released, the first one. I shared a bit on radio last week, but I'll share here today. Let's read first. He says, Revelation chapter 6. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say, in a voice like thunder, Come, I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now look at this now. This is amazing. Because he's talking about, now you're beginning to understand the kind of conversation I had with the living creature. It is tremendous to meet the living creatures at the throne of God, as you could tell from my narrative last week, my description. It is tr tremendous. It's un unbelievable to meet them and come to talk to you on the earth. 
Do you remember, as we come to the third one, I will even tell you what it looks like, which you did not see in the Bible written. The Bible only presents the human face. So for me, I could give more detail, which the Lord hid out, that when I would go there, I would come back and tell you the details. Hallelujah. But here, you can imagine the kind of conversation already, you can imagine for yourselves, the kind of conversation I had with the living creatures. It's very dreadful because the voice like thunder. What does the thunder represent then? Why does he speak with a voice like thunder? Because they come as representatives of God himself. Of God the Father himself. So when I'm having a conversation with them, that's a live conversation with God the Father like this. The, the, the reason their voice is like thunder is because of the authority of God that is bestowed on them to speak for God. Number two, the power of God that is given them to speak for God. Number three, the wrath of God they behold. Number four, the judgment of God they weld. Number five, the might of God, the wrath of God. The greatness of God, the sovereignty of God, they are representatives of God. They are the representatives of God Himself at the throne position. That's why you see, even when the Lamb is here, they are the ones that surround the Lamb. And this is happening inside the throne. In fact, every time I'm describing this to you, I see the glory, the indescribable un- glory inside the throne. Every, even now, at that position when this conversation took place. And so he comes out. He comes out. And so, can I summarize for you before we start? So essentially, we are going to see very clearly. Let me stratify for you like I did for the glorious tears and also um, the July 29th, 2009 vision that even as we go through this, your focus is trained on eternity in heaven. Let me do the same here as we begin with the seals. The first seal all the way to the sixth. Those are seals that prepare. They bring wrath, yes. But they prepare the earth. Now you are going to understand better why the bell, why, why uh, coronavirus and the rest. They prepare the earth before God's wrath. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine in their own wrathfulness, they are simply preparing the earth for the wrath. And the wrath of God is on the seventh seal. That's what we are going to see today. And you will see that is totally unbearable. Today you are going to get born again and say, I don't want ever to play with salvation. That door of Genesis 3.24 that was closed and Jesus opened when the curtain raptured in the Holy of Holies, that door that opened as the glorious stairs, the way that enters heaven, I want to utilize that door. You will make a determination today. It is not easy. So the first seal, second seal, third seal that we are about to see, fourth seal, fifth seal, and sixth, they simply prepare the earth 
for the wrath of God, for the judgment of God. The seventh seal is the one that now unleashes God's unbearable wrath that falls upon the face of the earth in order to prepare the way for the coming of the glorious eternal kingdom of God. Can you imagine that even the coronavirus we're having is not wrathful enough in this context? Then who wants to go through the wrath? Do you understand why he said the church was not created for wrath? You cannot pass through the wrath and survive. It's unbelievable. And then after all the scrolls are open, I'm, just, I'm simply giving you a snapshot. Is it helping you? It's very important before, before we go into the details. I give you this broad snapshot. So you are directed. You're well directed, well instructed as you follow the cascade, the dynamics when I begin. Because I'm going to go with you into the throne room and describe to each one of the seals from the second seal when it was broken, what happened there, and everything, right? And then you see now, when all the seals have been broken, and there are seven seals, and today I will make you understand that there are seven seals, and then there are seven trumpets. And after that, there are seven bowels and seven thunders. So there is a journey here tonight. Are you ready for it? Oh yes, that's why I told you I need two days Because once I finish this I will never have you for here I don't think I will have another public meeting again Time will be over then Right? We will see what happens as the Lord leads, right? If we will have another meeting Because even We don't know what happens after this Whether, you know But the Lord is sovereign Yes, He's still able to allow the church to meet Crusades to take place, right? In the midst of all this. But I'm saying the first to the sixth seal, the first seal, second seal, third seal, fourth seal, fifth seal, and sixth seal, they simply prepare the church. They prepare the world, rather, the earth, for the wrath of God. And yet they, in their own merit, are quite unbearable. You cannot stand them. And then, the seventh seal is actually the unleashing of the wrath of God. The, finally, the judgment of God. You will find that after the seventh seal now opens, when now those angels will come with the bowels, so the, 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 then the temple in heaven will open now. The door will open after the seventh seal is broken. Then now, finally, you will see now the seventh trumpet down there. So the cascade, let me describe to you these cascades. The one, two, three, five, six, preparing. The seventh seal when it's broken, then the judgments now begin escalation. That's why you now have trumpets one, two, three, up to seven. The seventh trumpet when it sounds, the door of the temple in heaven, the temple whose pillar I gave you, I described to you here the other day, one of the pillars, that door now opens and then there are now angels in there with bowels ready to come out and pour upon the face of the earth. Don't worry, we'll go through each of them stepwise, right? But there is wrath coming. When you see the coronavirus, it should tell you there is wrath coming. Please, just receive Jesus, be holy, 
Stop sexual immorality, sexual lust. Stop those things. Lies, perversion, pornography, homosexuality, lesbianism. Whatever it is, love of money. Whatever it is, deception. Whatever it is that is deluding you, that is causing you not to see Christ, not to see the treasure of his salvation, the hidden treasure within the salvation of the cross should be removed, eroded away by this realization here that the coronavirus is simply giving you a glimpse that there is wrath coming and is wrath unbearable. Are we together now? And when finally all the scrolls are open, then the second coming of the Messiah is ready. So that is the general scheme we are going to follow today. Are we together? Is somebody still with me? That is a general scheme we're going to follow today. And why do I bring it to you? Let me read one or two verses for you, and then we'll be able to jump straight into the seals. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse ten. Why do I bring that to you? First Thessalonians chapter one, verse ten, he says the following. He says And to wait for his Again, and to wait for his son from heaven, the Messiah, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. That's why I have given you this scheme. That you are not meant to go through this wrath. You can only go through this wrath if you fail to listen to the instruction of the Lord. What these two prophets are saying. That be holy, be righteous, be careful now. God is holy. And he says, First Thessalonians chapter 5, right there. Chapter 5 verse 7. He says, For those who sleep, again, First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as helmet. For God did not verse 9, for God did not appoint us to suffer the wrath but to receive the salvation through Christ Jesus, to be saved from this coming wrath. Are we together now? I'm simply explaining to you why I brought it to the fore that you are more directed in this conversation. That as I begin to go into the throne room and talk about the breaking of the first seal, second seal, third seal, fourth, sixth, up to the seventh, and then the cascade of the wrath, the trumpet, seven trumpets will begin. As I go through that, the judgment of God upon the face of the, the purging of the earth, preparing the earth for the kingdom of God. And you see the role of these two prophets in deeper there, deeper in there. You see their role deeper in in the judgment of the Lord upon the earth. It will be then you will be shocked that so now we have not known them then. But you can see from the coronavirus that surely yes the earth did not know who these two prophets are, right? Isn't that true? The book of Matthew chapter three verse seven we saw already. You broods of vipers, who has warned you to flee? From the coming wrath. In other words, the Lord is saying, flee from the wrath that is coming. If it's evident enough to you from what you have of the coronavirus that the wrath is coming, flee from it. 
That is just your basis, basic instinct God placed in you to flee from danger. And just be born again, receive Christ. Stop the Catholicism you see in Italy. Receive Christ. Be born again properly. Complete immersion. Not baptizing babies like you see in Italy or in the Catholic Church. I'm talking about baptism the way Jesus was baptized. Complete immersion. After you've reached an age of repenting, you know now sin is sin. And you turn away from sin. You are convicted and you are baptized. And the Holy Spirit come and baptize you too. With the Holy Spirit and fire. And conform your soul to the likeness of God. The image and likeness of God, right? Hallelujah. The book of Matthew chapter 16. Why the church? I'm simply focusing on why the church should focus on eternity. On entry. She's not meant or built for the wrath, right? Matthew 16, verse 27, he says the following. He says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Look at that now. Let's put it this way. He comes... And finds you born again. He'll reward you. By doing what? Taking you away with him. So that where I am, you also may be. But if he finds that you did not keep the faith. You did not receive Christ. He will reward you. With the wrath I'm about to discuss today here. Right? He'll give each one according to what they have done. Are we together? Oh yes. If he finds that you are born again. Properly. Keeping the faith He will reward you with the eternal life Everlasting life in the rapture He will take you with him But if he finds That you have not been born again He will leave you here to suffer the wrath Hallelujah And also Alluding unto The white throne judgment of the Lord Right Same What you have done Then you will be rewarded Right The book of Acts chapter 2 As we finish up on this section Acts chapter 2 Hallelujah I told you it's an extended service It's an extended sermon So just keep in there It's going to go into tomorrow's churches For your Sunday services Hallelujah Because you don't know what happens next week With the coronavirus So we'd rather have everything said this weekend so that now there's no more meetings here. The two prophets can be excluded out, separated out, the gate locked, and with the Lord. Now they be with the Lord as they wait for further instruction, right? Because the message of the coming of the Messiah, they are preached. The whole earth has heard the instruction on how you enter, the reforms of the church, they have announced globally. Hallelujah. So, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 24, he says the following. And so we have to write a very good letter to Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology to explain to them even the letter that came from government, right? That we need to hold it a bit, hold on, until everything is clear. But we need, we owe them a thank you for inviting the two prophets there. And to let them know I'm still working with them in prayer and the Lord will do much, Right? Just to thank the Vice-Chancellor there for courtesy and hospitality, right? 
Hallelujah. That we must do. We owe them that, right? Because of circumstances, we are not able to come, but we will as the Lord allows, right? So the book of... Sorry? Yes, thank you. So the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 24, it says the following. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep him, to keep its hold on him. His, his clutches, the other versions say. So, if death could not keep the hold on him, and you believe in him, why should you then suffer death? He defeated death. He that you believe in, the Christ, your Redeemer, defeated death. We've just read it right there. Death could not hold him. Then why would those who are born again go through the death that is coming through the judgments of the trumpets up to the seventh trumpet, right? Why? Hallelujah. And so he says, the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. As we finish with this segment here, this introductory part, then enter the seals. Since we have now been justified, Romans chapter 5 verse 9, since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? This segment here is to bring it to you, to deposit to you, and submit to you, that even as you see the coronavirus bringing death, Alluding to the dispensation of the great tribulation that's coming, the wrath that is coming, the death that is coming on the earth. For you as the church, you are never designed for this. So your focus ought to be different. You ought to be the ones going to the people and tell them, no, just be born again. Receive the Christ. Receive Jesus. Trust in God. This is a sign that is about to deliver us. Stop all the false religions, the eastern religions you pursue. Receive the Lord Jesus. Because it is his prophet that struck the earth with it. And prophesied it five years ago. The prophet of Jesus walking here. Oh yes. So they have every reason to understand that believing Jesus would deliver them from the wrath. He that brought it has capacity to shut it. Right? Hallelujah. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Hallelujah. Chapter 2 verse 16. He says the following. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 16. He says. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And God our Father. Who loved us by his grace. Gave us. Okay. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And God our Father who loved us. And by his grace. Gave us eternal encouragement. And good hope. Encourage your hearts And strengthen you In every good deed and word So now At this time This is your encouragement That's all I wanted to bring to you That Christ Jesus Defeated death And the earth Is gripped with the fear of death 
But there is an answer. The answer is Jesus. So if the people in Italy wanted to know an answer to their situation, that answer is Jesus. Receive Jesus. Stop the Catholicism. I was in Taranto. Taranto is where I said that the Lord is coming to strike the Catholic Church. Hallelujah. And in First Thessalonians, are you there? Chapter 4, verses 16-17. This is what he says. First Thessalonians. Chapter 4, 16 and 17. He says the following. For the Lord himself will come, come down from heaven. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will be raised first. They will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So our feet will be out of this earth. Out. will be above. We'll have nothing to do with this earth. Those of you that will go into the rapture, for me I have some duty here. So you will not be there to see some of the trumpets I'm going to read about here. Hallelujah. The judgment. Hallelujah. That, that for you now, that will be your exit. Lift off. Into safety now. Taken away from all these troubles you see on the earth. People are stuck with dead bodies in their rooms, in their homes. You can imagine how much that virus can devastate Africa. If the first world countries can go through what we are seeing, how much Africa? Africa will need God alone. Only God. Because even the gloves... You don't have the masks, you don't have the sanitizers. People don't, in the villages, in the slums, people live very close to one another. In the, on the road, in the streets, we walk together. So we, we will need more, we, we will just focus on the Lord here. You can imagine how devastating that can be for African countries, right? Hallelujah. And the, the Iranian leader was complaining the other day. He said some countries are hiding numbers. He complained for officially that they are lying. They are not telling true numbers. They say, well, his country, is, the Iran is giving true numbers. Hallelujah. He said, hiding numbers. No, we need to focus on the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord is the answer. And he says here, Matthew chapter 121 that we've seen and I think that is it Hebrews chapter 10 I'll finish with that right? The wrath Hebrews chapter 10 are you ready for this? So that we can go straight to the seals. I know the whole world is they, they, they are really raving and raging to go into the seals I'm like just a moment, hold it a moment can we get what matters most? Where you should be training and stretching your focus to your entry into eternity. Such that when I finish with this now, this last scripture here, then now you know, even if I go through the wrath and how gruesome it will be, you know that for us as church, we have hope, the good hope, he says. Hallelujah. So the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. We could have also read chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. But Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 he says the following 
31. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, meaning the blood of Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. There is no other sacrifice better than the blood of Jesus. If you have received the blood of Jesus and then abused the blood of Jesus, there is no other sacrifice available for you. In other words, Christian salvation is a one-way traffic. The price was so heavy that it had to be one-way traffic. No sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So look at this now. If you are in the church today and you do not defend the grace, you don't protect the grace, the protection, the protecting and protection of the grace is to uphold holiness, the holiness of the grace, the holiness of the cross, the holiness of Jesus, the holiness of God that Jesus brought to the church to redeem her. The righteousness of God that she lost in the garden, that Jesus restored at the cross. That is the protecting of the grace. So he's saying if you don't protect the grace, then nothing else expect, except, except what? The fearful, the fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a horrendous and dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God judging you. So he's talking about those that will go through the wrath. Are we there? And so I think the stage is now well set for us, blessed people, to go back to the seals, to where we began from last week, that we may make some progress regarding the seals and the conversation at the throne room. I know the whole world is waiting for that one, but it was important to redirect the attention of the church not into what the eyes are seeing but unto the hope the blessed hope of eternity to receive Christ and focus on righteousness right okay so I'll just describe here the rider of the white horse at the throne position of God almighty at the throne of God when the Lord brought me to his throne inside the throne so at that place Look at what happens Everybody focused on me It's better to focus on me Don't write In any case you can't even preach this At that position What he did He presented The first living creature Like a lion The one that's like a lion And so He was there for some time in fact, of all the creatures, he stayed longer. Because for him, he was there. The, the, the others come. But for him, it seems he was there for some time. Even before I had entered the throne position, the throne of God in heaven. And he was there for some time. And he was looking at me like this. 
for a very long time. And then, as he was there, huge lion. And then, I thought he had scales. Because the eyes that cover him don't have eyelids. I don't know how much detail I'm allowed to give you really. So they're just open eyes as you could know or think or imagine. So all over, all over. In your world, in the world you think unsightly, but all over. So when it was time for him to come and have a conversation with me, to speak with me now regarding the release of these horsemen, so what he did was very simple. The lamp broke the first seal and released him. So when he came, he came very close. And then after we had a conversation, I'll cut it from there. Then he has wings. A lion with wings. Now I can give you the detail you have not read. That you only have to pick when you go there. So you can imagine. You can imagine the sight, this, the visitation involved there. Then he did. The wings opened and he stretched out even. So it touched the eyes all over. Tremendous, tremendous. Then he went around like this. And within a short time, he picked speed like this and he flew. He lifted up with his wings and then he came back. Then the Lord removed me from the throne position and brought me to the earth. And while on the earth, so the white horseman was released. And then I saw him running all over the earth. So the Lord removes me and brings me to the earth. While I'm on the earth, he brings me to a sea, a water body. I stand at the shores. He brings me now to the earth, back to the earth. And I'm standing at the shore of a sea. And he makes me look into the sea. And I saw a lot of healthy fish. Then I saw this creature that was in the sea with a long neck. Only to realize he was a serpent. Like a serpent. He was actually a serpent. Kimani, can you stop sleeping here? So he was a serpent. And I saw him eat the fish. He was eating the fish. The serpent was eating the fish. Opening his mouth and eating. And he was devouring them, hurting them. And so, when I checked at the shore, the Lord showed me a lot of fish floating. The ones he has killed. Floating by the shore like this. On the water. And so the Lord instructed me to jump into the water. So I jumped into the water and a serious battle ensued. You can imagine in the water. So the turbid, the, 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 the disturbing of the water. 
in the fight. Because I was heading to strike him. You understand? So he moved. Eventually, so he moved. When he realized the battle was, the, the, it was a rageous fight. So he moved towards the other shore, the side. And then I woke up. Then I woke up. And then finally I understood the message. Over time, I understood what the Lord was saying. He was saying, He's coming to kill the saints. In the great tribulation. So that's a, that was the first conversation. But you can imagine how far projected that conversation is. Into the great tribulation. The killing of the saints. I know he has four runners now that are doing the same work. They're lying to the church. Go this way. Don't worry about holiness. Focus on prosperity and what have you. And they're entering the tragedy of Luke chapter 16. Verses 19 to 31. Right? However, he comes to destroy the saints, as we're going to see. Hallelujah. Can you imagine such a complex vision, right? From the throne and the various, and then down, then the seashore, and then the fish that are being devoured by the serpent. And then the Lord instructs, but then I see a lot of other fish floating here he has killed. Then the Lord commands that I jump in and fight that he may not devour. But when he moved that way, so he could not devour the fish this way. Remember the big fight with, in the water? There was a tabid with something in my hand. No, not tabid, but the water, beating the water, trying to strike him. Then he moved to the other shore. But the, the fish on this side were secured. Though a lot of fish is dead this way. This is a conversation that was projected deep into the great tribulation. Can you imagine? And so we saw that he comes to deceive as a deceiver. We saw that last time, right? And so when the Antichrist comes as a deceiver, he's also a traitor because he signs a peace treaty. He's a betrayer. Peace treaty, then he betrays Israel. Midway, he betrays Israel. He puts his image that they may worship him. Remember why this prophet goes to the tribulation temple? To rebuke the temple? The apostate temple? To rebuke it. To tell them, no, this is not the Messiah. The Lord is the Messiah. The Lord is the Messiah, not this guy. Hagid Hamasir is the Messiah, not this guy. Hallelujah. So, when he's deceiving the world, what is your remedy as a church? Let's begin from there before we enter the second seal. I know the whole world is like, why can't he get on it with the second seal? <laughs> why is he having so many introductions? Just get on it. Just reach the seal and break it. <laughs> it's the Messiah that breaks it. But they are really, they can't wait. But I'm like, there is a message to be given. You understand? In all this, we have today and tomorrow. Don't worry. Actually, today we'll cover quite a few seals. Matthew chapter 4, blessed people. 
with the first seal broken, what is your remedy? How do you overcome him? Are we together? Jesus said unto him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Do you understand? That's how to overcome the Antichrist. Is it important I go through this or I jump to the seal straight? Please allow me to do this because this is the message to the church. This is the remedy for the situation. So when you see the coronavirus is devastating the world and death has come and the Lord is using that to project to you what the coming dispensation looks like, then he's telling you that right from here, when the Antichrist will come in that dispensation that's coming, people will have to worship him. He will make people worship him. But he says, no, you can resist that. But if he has forerunners who are detracting you from worshipping in righteousness, worshipping Jesus, then he says, you can say this to them also. And worship the truth. Worship, worship God. Worship the Lord. You are God alone. And if you worship him, he is holy. You would have to worship his holiness. Right? He is righteous. Are we together? How about the book of Galatians? How do you overcome his deception? That master of intrigue. He's good in intrigues. We called him the, uh, uh, he has excellent, intellectual excellence. Is that not what we crowned him with today? We said he's a genius. At one point we said he's a genius, right? How do you overcome such a genius when just mere forerunners who are false prophets are slaying you left and right? How can you stand his whims? Hallelujah. So sometimes it's good to know, right? Before we go right straight into the thick of it, let's get to the substance, the focus of the church. Then I'll go to the second. Believe in me, I'll go to the second seal. I'll tell you about the vision of the throne, the third seal, the fourth, the fifth. We'll go on through. Don't worry about that, right? But let's first get this. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, which means the gospel of the cross, the gospel of the blood, the gospel of the salvation of Jesus, the gospel of holiness without which nobody will see heaven, the gospel of righteousness, which is supposed to be your finest linen garment for the wedding of the Lamb. If anybody come and preach another gospel other than that one, he says, let them be under God's curse. Let them be cast by God. Do you understand why to over, how to overcome? Oh yes. I thought this was quite important and substantive enough. That you may overcome. We're talking about we want to exhaust the first seal. Then I can move the second seal, right? Have you seen now? You can overcome. That's why the church today has been deceived. She's on another gospel that's not the gospel of the cross. How do you know they're not, they're not on the gospel of the cross? How do you know they're on, in another gospel, on another gospel? By the fact that holiness is lacking. Holiness is the benchmark for the gospel of the cross. Righteousness is the yardstick 
for the salvation of the grace. Without righteousness, that grace is another religion. The grace of Jesus is embedded, is founded, is launched on the foundation of holiness and righteousness. Those which were lost in the garden, now recovered at the cross. Right? And if anybody come and preach to you anything else, please, he says, let them be cursed. Do you still want no more? Or you want me to jump straight into the seals? Because you can't wait. You're raging and raving to jump into seals. Okay, then the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Hallelujah. I need to get there myself. Then I'll be able to bring it to you. Chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 12. He says the following. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Do you now understand? So it's a spiritual battle then. It's a spiritual battle. That means the Holy Spirit should be at the center of your help. Your strength is the Holy Spirit. Are we together? Is anybody walking with me still? He's saying reliance on the Holy Spirit. Then you overcome. The book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Blessed people. Colossians chapter 1. How do you overcome the whims and the lies of the Antichrist? Colossians chapter 1. Verse 12. What does he say then? We read 12 then, 12 and 13. And giving joyful thanks. Once you're there, say Amen. Thank you. So verse 11 says, Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Look at those two traits, right? And giving joyful thanks to God the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us out into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. So that's how you overcome. To the Lord. You lean on the Lord. You rush to the Lord. Uphold the salvation of Jesus, right? So, before I go to the uh, the second seal, the horsemen, what do they symbolize? Can I just finish with that? Oh, I know the whole world is like, what is this? I thought this was it. Now we are going to the seals. Can we look at Zechariah a bit first? 
And then we'll go to the second seal. Don't worry. The book of Zechariah, chapter 6. Zechariah. Now we are finished this part so we can enter the second seal, which you can't wait for. Oh, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Zechariah, chapter 6. He says, I looked up. Again, I'm reading from verse 1 to verse 4. Zechariah chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 4. He says, I looked up again, and there before me were four chariots coming out from between two mountains, mountain of bronze, verse 2, the first chariot had red horses, the second black, the third white, and the fourth dipped, dappled, dappled. These are the ones that's uh, ashy. All of them were very powerful. I asked the angel who was speaking to me, What are these, my Lord? And the angel answered, These are the four spirits of heaven going out from standing in the presence of the Lord of all the world and on and on. So why does he send the horsemen? We are dealing with seven seals but we are handling the four horsemen of the apocalypse whose prophecies are went all over the world giving. So now you can see that the horsemen are sent from heaven. Onjaro, can you stop sleeping? Thank you. Are sent from heaven. These are the four spirits of God sent. They sent the power. They represent the power of God. Not the four spirits. The power of God. Sent to the four ends of the earth. The horsemen that are sent. Just touch a little bit on this before we go to the seals. They are sent to the four corners of the earth. They are sent with power to conquer. To conquer the earth. Aye. To conquer the earth. They represent the power of God sent down to conquer the four ends of the earth. So can we look at the second seal now? The book of Revelation chapter 6. Verses 3 to 4 he says, When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. What is the Lord saying there? Hallelujah. So now, the lamb breaks the second seal. And the second living creature comes out. 
going to describe all this now. But in the scripture. And then he releases the second horseman of the apocalypse. And the horse, the fiery red one. Red standing for blood, as we're going to see now. Hallelujah. Blood shed. But first we go to Matthew 24 again, like last time. Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24, blessed people. I'm reading verses uh, 6 to 7. He says the following. He begins, verse 4 he says, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Verse 6 now, 6 and 7 is what we need for the second seal. That, all that I've read is the first seal, all the way from 4 to 5. Now 6 and 7. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen but the end is still to come. He says, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. So there's so much said in there. Six and seven. So, the Lord is saying that the Lamb has taken the scroll. He is worthy to take the scroll from the hand of God. The right hand of God. And he takes the scroll and he begins to break the seals of the scroll. In other words, the way I demonstrated it, I do it again. The scroll was written on and then rolled and sealed. And rolled again and sealed. And rolled seven times. Such that when you break a seal, you have access to that domain, to that writing there, to that part of the book, that part of the document. And remember, it's written on both sides. The scroll of God in heaven. And so, it says the lamb takes this scroll and breaks the second seal. And when the second seal is broken, a horse comes out, a horseman comes out with a horse, riding a horse. And this horseman is riding a red horse, a fiery red horse, red in color. So, on that day when the Lord brought me before his throne, then the lamp, the Messiah, at the throne position, broke the second seal. He released the second living creature and if you want to refer the, the creatures you go to chapter 4 we saw that already and then the second creature went back and released this horseman and after he spoke with me for him he did not nail down like the pale one after he spoke with me then I saw him run all over the earth So, in fact he was running so fast that if, if you don't check properly you may think there are several horses it's just one horse though he was running all over the earth 
and very fast. And he says here that fiery red horseman and then he's given a sword. A sword in his hand. A fiery red horse. Red symbolizing blood. Bloodshed. And remember that all these prophecies the Lord is giving us is breaking the seals. They are not for now. They are not for now. So we've read, of course we know that Jesus in Matthew 24 gave the same prophecy on the other side to the disciples and then John received it on this side, right? We know that they tally, right? As you've seen. In Matthew 24, he says, wars and rumors of wars. But that essentially stands for bloodshed. Because he's given a, 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 a spalda in Spanish. He's given a sword, a, big, a large sword. Large sword. Not small sword, large sword. That means to really bring bloodbath. But if you look at the Hebrew context of it, they say slaughter. Massive slaughter. So, I mean, just as you know the forerunner for the white horse is doing his thing in the church now, the forerunner um, for the Antichrist is doing his thing in the church now. And of course, the great thing, you know, the terrible thing Hitler did, Hitler did, Adolf Hitler, ISIS did, it's called al-Baghdadi, slaughter, the slaughtering of people, putting their necks on the sword live. Uh, also Al-Qaeda, Osama Bin Laden, also Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab, whichever way you want. They are foreigners. How vicious. But he says, no, that prophecy is not for now yet. These are just foreigners. And he says, he will take all of the above and combine into one character to execute this prophecy in the great tribulation. Are we together? So, this one represents bloodshed. And that's why when you see the wars, the war coming to Iraq, the war coming to Syria, the war coming to Libya, the war against the drug gangs in Mexico where you find graves of 100 people buried, 50 people buried. The war against Al-Qaeda in, in Philippines, in where, you know, the terrorists. Boko Haram slaughter how many? Take how many? Kill who? Al-Shabaab. These wars, even more, if you can enumerate. Are we together? So, this one represents bloodshed. And that's why when you see the wars, the war coming to Iraq, the war coming to Syria, the war coming to Libya, the war against the drug gangs in Mexico where you find graves of 100 people buried, 50 people buried, the war against Al-Qaeda in, in Philippines in where, you know, the terrorists, Boko Haram slaughter how many, take how many, kill who? Al-Shabaab, these wars, even more, if you can enumerate before the bloodshed of 2007, right? 
when I said I've seen the horseman running. No, it was not horseman. It's one horseman, but he runs very fast back and forth. But you see what happened after I said so. Those are just forerunners of the main, the, the horsemen of bloodshed, the red horse, the rider with a big sword. He brings greater devastation. The true fulfillment is in the great tribulation. When there will be massive slaughter. So Revelation chapter 13, he says the following. Verse 15. He says, The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. That is the level of bloodbath. If you talk about Revelation chapter 13 verse 15, then you are now understanding the level of the bloodbath. Whereby he attempts to put every living being to the sword who refuses to worship the beast. That is the level of war. So we saw that he's a military man. He's able to use... There's also the army that comes up. We're going to handle that later. So he's very mighty in bloodshed. He's very mighty in war. He's a conqueror. And remember he said, he's given authority to wage war against the saints and to conquer them, defeat them, to tackle them and kill them. So there is bloodshed coming. I know you saw the bloodshed in Libya, in Syria. It's unbelievable. The earth had never been there. Unbelievable. Bombing residents where people are staying and so forth. Unthinkable. The bloodshed in Iraq. Oh, even sometimes became sectarian wars between themselves now. It now became unbelievable bloodbath between the Shia and which groups. It became even worse when they when you when you they own themselves now. The bloodshed. So you put there's so many all over the world. Take the ones of Vietnam. Even the war that's going on in Somalia here, you cannot ignore, ignore this war, this big war. Boko Haram, whichever. Any bloodshed, put it together. And all that amount of bloodshed now be put onto this rider of the red horse. And what he does is unbelievable. I just remember when I spoke about 2007, from 2005 and 4 and 5, right? And that's the small scale. But it was unbelievable. It was totally unbe unbearable in Kenya. How about the one you saw in Rwanda? You have not put that in, right? Revelation chapter 20 verse 4. It says the following. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. 
And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and not and had not received its mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So they are actually beheaded. They were beheaded. So if you see this bloodbath again that was being done by ISIS, Al-Shabaab, they come to Westgate, they do what they're doing, whatever, wherever. Boko Haram's whatever. That's nothing. The bloodshed that takes place in the Great Tribulation is unbearable, as you can tell. And the Antichrist exploits this uses this somehow the Lord allows him to use the instruments of these horsemen here so if you know that you, you don't want to be beheaded you would have to receive Jesus now and be born again properly and enter when the rapture takes place you are taken up the safe exit into safe custody in heaven, safe uh, preserve, according to Isaiah 26, verse 20. Go, my people, enter your homes. So, the red horseman, he describes total devastation of war that will take place during the great tribulation. And he describes the devastating judgment that will consume the earth during that dispensation with unbelievable bloodshed and slaughter. The sword is slaughter. It is war and total war that will break out The sword of war will be pulled out in that dispensation and the sword of persecution that will devastate the saints. This dreadful judgment of the Lord takes away peace from the earth. He is given power to take away peace from the earth. That's why the sword is large. And yet we know that the biggest blessing man can ever achieve on this earth, the biggest blessing man ever received on earth was peace. Peace, just to be peaceful, to have peace. That's the biggest blessing God ever gave man on the earth. That the Prince of Peace brought you his peace that surpasses all understanding. That you can now worship him in peace. Live with your children in peace. Live in peace. Peace, the biggest blessing. And now for somebody to come and take it away. How devastating is that? In Swahili they say kuangaika. Once a kuangaika na watoto wako, you start running around 
you fleeing and all this kind of thing. Children running that side, yourself running this way, wife running the other direction. Peace is the greatest blessing that the Prince of Peace have allayed here. And to lose it would be a tragedy, an irretrievable tragedy in the Great Tribulation. The book of First John, blessed people. First John. First John. Should have been First Peter chapter four, though, but we couldn't go to John. John thirteen thirty four. Hallelujah. John thirteen thirty four says A new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But he takes it away. So that man slaughters man. Man butchers man. He takes it away. And you violate this command. So this command will not prevail then. In the great tribulation. The book of Leviticus. Chapter 19. Verse 18. Leviticus 19.18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. But he takes it away. Said that neighbor will slaughter neighbor. Some demonic situation where people turn against one another. Some very satanic situation. When the prophecy of the breaking of the second seal is fulfilled, all these wars you see, the Iraq war, the war in Syria, the war in Libya, the Mexico war of the drug gangs, government, gang against gang, government fighting gang, the war in South Sudan that you saw, in Philippines, the genocide in Rwanda, the ISIS, the Al-Qaeda, what? All these will seem like nothing. Who then wants to be there? And that is the reason I bring this to you. 
But why does the Lord do this? Why does he send? You, you would be like, Oi, why would the Lord send such a terrible person to the church or to the earth, right? Again, he sends it to those who refuse the truth, reject the truth. And so that's why I don't expect you to miss the rapture. I expect you to go because otherwise it will be horrendous. You'll be caught up in the other dispensation. Unbearable. And we saw, I mean, we said already, first to sixth seal, they simply prepare you for judgment. So you can imagine. You can imagine for yourself, right? They prepare the earth for the judgment of God, which we are going to see today. You can imagine, this is already so terrible. The war in South Sudan alone is unbelievable. The war in Iraq, Mosul, in Mosul, taking over Mosul, Idlib, the war in Syria, the, 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 the Shiite versus the Sunni in, in Iraq. Many wars. 2007, Kenya. Unbearable. Rwanda, where? South Sudan alone is unbelievable. The kind of war that was there. He says all these wars are nothing compared to what would be unleashed in the great tribulation. So for sure you want to get out of here. You, you, you long to go home. The earth is not the place to stay anymore. You, you, can, you can almost tell. The book of First Peter. First Peter. First Peter chapter 4 verse 8. Believe you me, I'm also trying to rush to the fourth seal, but I have to cover this a little bit more, step by step, right? I want to go to the coronavirus, believe you me. But let me, again in the same way, just take a little more time to bring up some most important things, right? Oh yes, because I know everyone is waiting for the fourth. I am also waiting for the fourth seal. Because it is such a classic of the way my words were fulfilled. Because not only did death arrive with the plague, but also crashed the markets. So, so the airlines now, today they are saying it's worse than September 11th. It's worse than the terror attack in the U.S. when all the planes were grounded, when the airlines had to be bailed out. It's worse. There are airlines that have been cancelling 33,000 flights, 23,000 flights. Hi! How will you survive then? So this is a classic. Believe me, I also want to get there. But can you allow me to do chronological, just raise one or two things here and there? You can see I'm rushing. I didn't even over-extrapolate the second uh, seal, even the first one. I tried to rush. When the lion did, then quickly I was running to the tribulation down there. And I said, oh, he released the white horse. You see? I spoke with him and then I went down. I'm running. But, there is a message to the church. That things are going to get worse. When Jesus spoke about the earth, these are the things he spoke. That there would be wars and rumors of wars. He didn't promise anything good to the earth. So why would you want to stay here forever? Why does they want to focus on a more earthly gospel, earthly living now? And they stay there. They really try to entrench, right? 
But the Lord is saying, no. Begin to prepare to live. Look at how terrible it is. The whole earth is gripped. Literally, I don't know how, almost every nation is now grappling with this death, the coronavirus, right? Well, let's handle just one more thing about, the, uh, one more scripture on the red horse, right? First Peter chapter 4 verse 8, right? And he says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So, he's talking about to be amicable, to live peacefully, to love one another, to live together. But that is taken away by this rider holding a big spalder, a big, a big sword, not a small one. So he really takes away anything that's an instrument of peace on the earth. Anything that is instrument of peace, he takes away. Aye. And then he says, so Romans chapter 13 verse 8 as we finish now. Romans 13 8 the second seal the war. And you've seen that the earth is warlike. No, nobody needs to convince you that there's so much war in, on the earth or bloodshed. Even just thugs, when they attack a home, sometimes here yeah, they have gunned down somebody, blood is flowing, and there's just so much blood shed as though the days of Noah. Right? So much blood shed. And it says the following Romans chapter 13, verse 8. says so the biggest gift is what he takes away the gift of peace the prince of peace brought peace the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding right he takes it away Romans 13 uh, 13 verse 8 he says the following here let no debt remain outstanding except the con Continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Aye. That is what he takes away. So once you take away love, animosity, war, bloodshed. But the world we live in today looks like it's already ready, right? There's so much warlike. Whoa. They are ready. If they are already butchering each other like this, how much more when he comes now to instigate them, right? So can we look at the third seal as we now slowly move to the fourth seal? I'm hoping that before we take our break, I can touch on the fourth seal, right? Before you take your coffee break. Hey, can we look at the third seal? The book of Revelation chapter 6 again. Again, I'm going to take you back to the throne position. 
Revelation chapter 6 Verses 5 and 6 He says here When the Lamb opened the third seal I heard the third living creature say Come In other words Come and see what sin has done Right? And then come I looked and there before me Was a black horse His rider was holding a pair of scales In his hand I've seen this scale Then I heard then, then, Then I heard What sounded like the voice From among the four living creatures Say Two pounds of wheat For a day's wage and six pounds of barley for a day's wage. Okay, so the other versions say one quart of wheat for a day's wages. And it says, and three quarts of wheat uh, of, of barley for a day's wages. So here it uses pound, the other one uses quarts. Quart. But the whole measure really is the amount of wheat that is enough for one person to feed on for the day. So you see now, if you talk about the average Jewish family, they're large. That's about 12 people. 10 to 12 people So that's absolute starvation The message is clear That starvation is coming Famine is coming Right The message is very clear on that one And this one is very big Because it does touch on Global economic and financial crisis Anything that brings bread on the table So and this one is very deep Can I read it again Because this is a very extensive one And maybe I'll spend a little more time here And then I'll come to the fourth seal He says again The book of Revelation chapter 6 Because this one also describes the bride He says When the lamb opened the third seal I heard the third living creature say Come I looked and there before me was a black horse His rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand I told you I've seen this scale Then I heard what sounded like a voice Among the four living creatures saying Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages And six pounds of barley for a day's Less nutritious barley for a day's wages And do not damage the oil and the wine That is now where the key is for the church Now I'd rather go to the throne first And then bring out the message So The meeting was supposed to be Nakuru Girls High School Grounds on August 23rd I still remember very well those dates 23rd Saturday 24th Sunday There Even in that meeting I remember Some young man who was hearing before And went mute or rather, uh, I think mute and deaf His ears opened there In that meeting Now So the Lord knowing that that meeting was on he wanted to announce this one at that meeting. So he comes before then. So I can really estimate for you that it must be the 22nd because we traveled by road. 22nd night of August 2008. Remember, 23rd Saturday, 24th Sunday, 2008. And then the prophecies are given the Saturday, Sunday. And then three weeks later, the global financial markets crash and so forth. Just a moment. Actually, September 20-something. It was three weeks. It was even not a month. However, at the throne position. So when the Lord brings me the throne position, again, 
at the throne the lamb. So the lamb breaks the third seal of the scroll of God. And then he releases the third living creature. And the way he came, for those who are here now, he came like this. He took the direction like this. Not straight. He came like this. And then at one point, he was now appear, he appeared now from this face to face now from this side like this. Before we spoke. And I'm not sharing what we said, right? In all of them. But he went like this. And then at one point, he came like this. And then after we spoke, then he left. He left now at my side like this. Everybody is here. Ben Amzi not sleeping because Washingish is waiting for this message. Remember, you will not be able to come next week. So if you want to sleep here, that's up to you. After this, the Lord will close out his servants. It will not be possible. And so, again, at the throne, he brought me into his throne. And the Lamb, that is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the Messiah. That is the King of Glory. He took the scroll and he broke the third seal. The third seal. And when he broke the third seal, he released the third living creature. And I'm going to describe him, don't worry. To come to me. And when the third living creature came to me, he first walked around like that. I, I guess he wanted me to see him well. So he walked around like that. Then the other moment I realized he came direct. He was coming from the front like this. Face to face now. That's when he was coming to talk now. After speaking with him, he passed like this. So I could see him again. So I, in fact, I turned like this and I looked at him as he was living. That's when he released the black horse, which I'm going to describe. Then he released the black horse. But first of all, let me describe the creature. So, if you got the book of Revelation, chapter 4, which we are doing right now, you can realize, you realize I'm spending more time on the third creature, more than the second, the third seal, right? Hallelujah. You know, you must notice, the other one I rushed through, right? Yeah, this one and the fourth one, and then I will also focus on the seventh one, right? Okay, now, I said which scripture? Chapter 4, very good, Revelation chapter 4. Thank you for not sleeping, I just wanted to test out if man is still awake. <laughs> man and woman, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. So Revelation chapter 4 Look at what happens here At the center of the throne That would be verse 6 part B In the center around the throne Were four living creatures They were covered with eyes In front and in back The living creatures The, the, the living creature was Okay The first The first living creature was like a lion and the second one like an ox And the third one with a face like a man The fourth like a flying eagle So I'm talking about the third one The face like a man So let me describe this a little bit Before I go to the horse 
the horseman that comes also. So now, can you imagine the, 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 the tremendous privilege and mandate and responsibility of having to deal with the creatures and execute the same on the earth? You understand? So just, you, you, that should not be lost on you, right? Don't lose that. This is not a story tale. I know if I had time to describe some more things, probably you would be astounded. But look at this now. The living creature, the third one that you see a face like man, actually he is also like the second one. He is also like an ox. Except that he has a human head, human face. And a big face for that matter. A big human, a face like, not human, but like man. A face like man. A big face like man. A big human, the human head, like human head. Can you imagine that? So sometimes it's unbelievable, right? Yeah, he has this, his head is like man. Like. Remember the word like. Because now you are in heaven, right? And his face, when, when he went like this, I could see him complete. And when he came this way, so he wanted me to focus on the face as he was coming to talk to me. So he is this tremendous face of like man and very super glorious face. Holy rather, very holy face. Holy, in fact, not really super glorious, but very holy. Glorious, yes. So much glory. But I'm saying very holy face. His face is very holy. I'm talking about the horse, I mean, rather the creature, before the horse is released. I'm talking about the creature. We have not yet handled the horse. The creature, the third creature that eventually is going. In fact, when he went this way, he released the horseman who came to me. That's a whole different set. Let's handle this alone. Again, when the lamb broke the third seal, then the lamb released the third living creature inside the throne to come to me. But he walked like this. He went like this, like this, like this. And then the other moment I realized, I don't know how he made it this way. He was now coming from this way, coming in front direct. And then after we spoke, then he passed like this, and the Lord allowed me to turn like that. I could see him leaving this way. That's when he released from this direction. Is where he released the horse, released the horseman. That is a different moment. Let's first handle this. So, he is also like the second one, the ox, except that he has this human like, like, the word is like, because you are now in heaven. This head and face, huge like man. But very holy, holy face. Because now when he was coming direct to talk to me, it's when, oh, very, very holy face. Really very holy. I could tell. The Lord also made me know, very holy. The third living creature. And his face, you can imagine he has hoofs. He's a complete ox. But with a human head, like, like human, and a huge face and of course huge head and walking and to the size really to the size of him but at least bigger, somehow bigger than him the human head and face coming 
And his face, when he came, look now, everybody look now. So, very serious. He is very serious because, look, like when you frown your head and your face and you frown up like this and the horizontal lines draw like this, you understand? So he had those lines on his face. I don't know how much I can share with you people. But he had, he had frowned his head for seriousness. So you could see the, the, the when you do like this anomaly of the horizontal line, serious face, right? Crossing like this, crossing like this, crossing like this. And his legs, his feet are hoofs. He has hoof. And he has eyes all over. So it's tremendous sometimes. I don't want to share more. And sometimes I, I can't share beyond, right? But, you see now, in the scripture he did not say he's like an ox. He said he just have a face. You see that? Like that of man. But now you understand more detail. After the one that went there has come back. Now you have greater detail, right? Are we together? So again, he walks this way. And then later he comes from this side. Because now I was inside the throne. So you see for him he has his freedom. And he was walking this way. And then later I see he's now coming from this side. And everything here is glory. After that he passes like this. Then I am able to turn and see him living. And then he goes this way. Rather when he goes that way. And then the, the black horseman comes from this side. So you can now see. The four living creatures around the throne of God. The lamb at the center. They are the ones that surround the lamb. They are at the center. They, they, when you see them, they are God, representatives of God. They bespeak the authority of God. The power, the four living creatures behold the power and the authority of God. They are the, the envoys, the representative of God there. The judgment of God they behold. The authority of God they behold. The power of God they behold. The, the wrath of God they behold. That's why the voice like thunder. There's so much detail I'm not giving. After that now, he then releases the rider of the black horse to come to me. At the throne position, we are still here. It's up to the knee really. Right? But all over here. Pure white glory of God. The cloud you see came. Now at his throne. He is the king of kings. That's the lord of lords. The lord of hosts. So, when he releases the rider of the black horse, he comes, but there's something he wanted to show me. So when he came and he reached where I am, then he stopped. Because I lifted my left hand like this. Then he stopped. And when he stopped, the black horse has wings, mighty wings, black, totally black horse, totally black, totally black. Thank you, Okello, uh, uh, Deputy Archbishop Okello. Thank you for following me. Following me. Yeah, thank you. Very powerful. No, no, just continue. continue. So look at this now. The the, the rider. The, the, the black horse, totally black, and the rider has mounted him. He is coming. They are coming. 
Then I raise my left hand at the throne. Then he stops. Look at this now. When he stops, then now the black horse that you see here actually has white super glorious wings. White and super glorious. So as I was standing there, after speaking with the rider, then what amazed me is this. The, the horse now stretched out his wings like this. And when he stretched out his white glorious wings, look at this now. Glory, the wings of course touched me, physically touched me. But look at this now. The glory also flows. He, he, he emits, uh, the glory flows like like white white glory flows away from his wings. He's so glorious. The black horse, black, the black horse of the apocalypse has white super glorious wings. You don't see that in the Bible there. That one the Lord left for whoever, for this prophet when he shall go into heaven, then they will come back and they will give you now those details. Astounding. That will be the proof they have been there. Now the details that you did not see there, that only God gave you. White super glorious wings. And he stretches. Kimani, don't sleep. Your church will suffer. Kiambu will suffer. Kimani, Kiambu will suffer if you continue sleeping so much like that. And we are alive, so they are hearing you sleeping. So, thank you, my son Kimani. So, listen. The black horse has super glorious white wings. And when he stretched the wings, in fact, when he stretched, it is his right wing that touched me. Because I was talking to him, standing more on this side. And then, when he stretched the wings, the white super glorious wings, some glory, like up to this level of glory, like clouds, but white, flowed like that, and swept through me also. And, with, and then he put back his super glorious wings, and then he left. And then I gave the prophecy that August 23rd and uh, 24th, Saturday, Sunday, 2008. I said, Revelation chapter 6, you see, there is famine coming. I've seen the black horse, the right of the black horse has been released. That's when now this prophet comes and executes that mandate on the earth. The third horseman of the apocalypse. And so you see, when I gave that prophecy, as though to, 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 to give allude, to give you a glimpse of what is going to happen, of what it's all about. It took only three weeks. We followed very carefully. For three weeks, it began with one bank called the Lehman Brothers in New York, the investment bank. We, we followed through. We wanted to know, how did this really happen in such a style to fulfill that prophecy? When that bank one day just collapsed, one morning they just woke up, collapsed, filed for bankruptcy, and then the stock market crashed, and there was what we call the domino effect. Boom, 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 all the way to New York, all the way to London, to Frankfurt, to, uh, to Paris, to Shanghai, to China, everywhere collapsed and crashed. 
you remember the global economic crisis until now they are still handling some of those issues in the mortgaging industry in whatever industry uh, they are cushioning themselves they are doing stress stress testing they, they, they did then I don't know about now now it's different again it has gone down again but in three weeks that prophecy was fulfilled in style and all the credit lines were frozen what their situation in banking situation globally everybody remembers that in style it shocked me until we had to dig very deep to find out how did it really happen so one bank collapsed and then they call it the domino effect rat hold all the others down through frankfurt through london through paris through shanghai to, to all the way to japan to, 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 to south korea to hong kong to, to australia to everywhere went down south africa name it and so in this narrative when you look at the narrative that is given here the release of the rider of the black horse he says when the lamp opened the third seal I heard the third living creature say come I looked and there before me was a black horse its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand then I heard what sounded like a voice from among the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a day's wages and three quarts of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine so he makes a distinction he separates out he comes under the instruction this rider of the black horse he brings luck depravity scarcity and famine to the earth and remember all this that happened like in 2008 is just a little glimpse even what is going on now with the global financial markets is just a little glimpse of what the mega one you have to put all of them together the one that comes in the great tribulation is just virtually unbearable unbelievable again just like the bloodshed also you have to put it together it cannot be compared to what is coming and so the book of Matthew chapter Matthew 24 to give you a proper perspective Matthew 24 verse 7 that you may understand better what the Lord is saying and I know after this seal we can take a short break and then we come back for the fourth seal right because I want to push them up to the seventh seal so that the message to the church the message about the corona to the church is extremely very clear if you talked about unemployment layoffs and what during this recent global economic crisis even the current one going on airlines filing bankruptcies grounding planes taking them into the desert where they put some of their planes to keep them there no people full in the flights at all empty flights ok and then that is nothing the real unemployment is coming so you tell me if you still want to remain alone around here and face that level of unemployment and starvation right I'll come to spiritual too it also talks about spiritual starvation hallelujah Matthew 24 
Matthew chapter 24, if you are with me, verse 7, I say it, verse 7 alone is sufficient. It says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But look at this now. So now, when the great tribulation comes, the Lord has already made a miniature tribulation, a sample tribulation, great tribulation for you people. So you are blessed people. You can now make informed decisions. Because he's saying that first of all, the prophets who is speaking with you here, if he can command heaven to open, heaven listens to him very well, and rain comes, in that time the Bible says he will shut heaven. First of all, he will shut heaven. Remember, I have seen that time, right? Remember, I'm walking and not even one leaf did grow on the soil. Have I not said this several on radio? Not even one leaf did grow. And I was, I, the two prophets actually were moving together. They were so tired. We had, we were so tired. It means we had come from a major battle. We were, we were now moving very slowly and everything was dry and there was nobody at least where we were moving. Where we were walking. Slowly just walking, supervising the land. In the ministration of the Lord. In the testimony of Yahweh. But can you imagine this horseman here? He uses many instruments, uh, my son Labanthiongo. He uses many instruments. This horseman here he uses many instruments. Because the drought, the shutting of heaven, that will also bring inflation on food prices. Because what you see described here, one quart of wheat for a day's wages, that is called inflation. Little amount, high price, whole salary. It's called hyper, hyper inflation. So let me give you a proper understanding of that inflation. Did you see the inflation in Zimbabwe? Where they carry money in a paper bag to go buy bread in a sack? In a sack, money in a sack to go buy something? That is nothing compared to this. Did you see the inflation in Venezuela? Where it was unbelievable, people have to go to the garbage and they were being shown they are eating raw, raw chicken skin. Somebody did not want chicken skin throughout into the garbage for three days there. It was on CNN. They're, maybe it's even there on the tube. They are taking the raw chicken skin and eating and eating raw in the garbage. That level of inflation you saw in Venezuela. Did you see it? Did you see the kind of economic crisis in Greece the other day? In Greece? Take all those. Those are nothing. Combine them. They are nothing. Oh, do you still want to be around? Oh, I'm feeling my feet tired. Can we take a short break at this? But no, I'm just saying. Can I finish up to, at a point? Because there is the physical aspect and spiritual, and I don't want to run through, to run over this, to do it so fast. Because you can see, today we are handling the fourth seal. There is no panic. But I don't want to run over it so fast because I'm tiring a bit. I could take a short break and come back and exhaustively handle it very well. Because there is the physical starvation and the spiritual starvation there too. Do you remember the book of Amos, chapter 8, 11, and 12? A starvation, a famine, not for food, but for the word, for hear, hearing the word, hearing the words of God, the word of God, eh? and nobody will avail it to you. 
where some Hebrew women, many of them will have to doll some bread in one oven. And you know, the Hebrew woman, her work is in the oven. She bakes for the morning. She bakes for the lunch. She bakes for evening. She bakes for breakfast. And every feast has a bakery, has a baking, has a pastry. Can you imagine her sharing uh, the oven with another, with, with another nine? That is starvation proper. So I need to come to that. The level of starvation where the dove dung, the dove dung, you remember the gate? The dove dung will go for the head of a donkey. So I'm feeling a little tired. I will take a little break. But I'm saying as we come back, you're already beginning to understand that just the shutting of heaven alone will cause lack of food. And so the prices will go up hyperinflation. If you want to get the model or sample, a little glimpse of it, look at what happened to Venezuela. When Venezuela abused me the other day and I struck the land. Remember when I was going to Venezuela? And they didn't handle me well? And I struck the country? And then, after that, look at what happened to Zimbabwe. You have to carry money in a sack or a paper bag to go buy bread. Look at what happened to Greece the other day. And many other hyperinflations, you know. They are nothing compared to what is coming. This horseman is very devastating. And he holds a scale. A scale of justice. The scale of righteousness. He divides the earth into two. The congregation into two. The oil and the wine. We'll also see the spiritual. He talks about those who are well to do. It may be soft on them. But he's talking about the spiritual aspect. The oil and wine church, the revival church where the oil is flowing. Those that have still held steadfast. Because remember there will be a revival. Remember there will be 144,000 Hebrew people, Jews that are converted and they will minister. And these two prophets will be fighting for their defense. Because these ones will fight the Antichrist coming to slaughter the Christians. Remember in the water. Remember the vision of the, uh, the water, the fish. Yes, that's absolutely clear, right? But you can see from their power that they are gearing for war. Anyhow, because remember at the end, the Antichrist confronts them when they are finished testimony, the Lord allows them, like he allowed the Messiah to surrender to the enemy, right? It's not that they defeat them. The Lord allows them to surrender because the testimony is over. Their period of testifying is over. They remember they go with the power of God, the sun is shaking. So the Antichrist could not touch them. But when they finish testifying, the Lord surrenders them. They now surrender. But again, remember that death that immediately I've already I've seen it because I've come out of the body. Immediately then I was looking at the body like this. For three and a half days, right? So again, you know, the Lord is supreme, right? Yeah. The Messiah defeated death, right? So everybody else must now defeat death, right? Hallelujah. But I'm talking about on this mission here, right? So I don't want to, take to, to do this in a hurry Because here is a very powerful message to the church and this generation But he's telling you that when you see the coronavirus Beginning to strike the nations And gripping the nations with fear And that virus is a plague coming out of the release of the fourth seal The breaking of the fourth seal And the prophecy I gave about five years ago And accuracy If you look at the... the I placed the prophecy in Asia I... And I said lack of equipment, culture, meaning new virus. And I said disease distress. Look at the distress now. All over the world. 
It's unbearable distress. And so, when I saw that, you see that, and I gave that prophecy, when you see the coronavirus and what it's doing, including entering Kenya now, then it should tell you that there's a dispensation that is coming. And I'm giving you the little elements that demarcate that dispensation. I said the bloodshed, deception, worshipping another, right? Worshipping the devil. And then bloodshed. And now we're talking about the abhorrible, unbelievable death. It's called a death where everybody is loth and gowned. People are dying out of starvation. It's the most painful death. Because these prophets shut heaven. As you can see. And the food prices go up. I've already walked there. And there's no, no leaf has grown. Not even one leaf. It shocked me. And so, the, 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 the food prices. Now I gave you the examples of Greek. The Greek uh, hyperinflation. Right? And then the economic crisis, Zimbabwe, Venezuela, and many others you want to put in. One time Uganda, remember? Uganda, the kind of hyper, hyper inflation that was in Uganda. You have to carry a paper bag to go buy what? You see? He's saying those are like nothing. You have to put them together. They are still nothing compared to what is coming. So now the question is, when you see the coronavirus announcing the coming of that dispensation, do you still want to stay? So we are going to come back and look at this entire seal Again, because I'm feeling just a little tired. Then we'll come back after a short break. You guys look tired also. Maybe some coffee break with some cake. And then we come back, right? May the Lord bless you. Thank you. Tudah. Shalom. Tudah.